Hello and welcome to another episode of Bulls 101. Um, I'm your boy Lero, as usual. You know, you know how we do things here. And I'm always accompanied by my brother, Chris Amundsen. Chris, how are you doing, brother? How are you doing? <laughs> wow, accompanied. I've I've never been so fancy in any of my interests. I'm impressed. <laughs> no, I'm doing good, man. I am doing good. Uh, Bulls are on a nine-game winning streak. Felt like a long time between Bulls games this week. We finally got one last night, and it was a lot of fun. I ended up watching it this morning. I couldn't catch it live, but uh, it was a great game. Actually, the reason I couldn't catch it live is my wife and I went and saw Spider-Man. It's the Ooh. first movie we've seen in the theater since before the pandemic started. So it's really good. It was a lot of fun. I recommend it. Yeah, I um, I actually uh, ended up going to see Spider-Man with uh, Celine, and uh, it was good, man. It was some good stuff. Uh, obviously set up some things for Phase 4 going forward, and um, I'm, that, that was some good stuff. I'm excited for the next uh, Spider-Man's coming up. Uh, it's a lot of nostalgia there. The <laughs> Spider-Man movies that I grew up on with Tobey Maguire and then later Andrew Garfield. It was, oh, it was yeah. kind of nice to see those that inclusion there. So that was really cool. Yeah, that was dope. That was so dope. Uh, but you know, along along with that that great movie, you know, there's been some great stuff going on with our favorite basketball team in the Chicago Bulls, um, and they're currently on a nine game uh, winning streak. Um, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts on on this streak. Uh, maybe you know, touch on uh, certain players or certain things that you've seen. Uh, I just kind of want to you know hear some things from you about this this winning streak. Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously impressive. When we can get nine games against anybody in a row in the league, it, it's impressive. Uh, some of the wins have come against squads that have been missing some guys with code protocols, but the Bulls have also been one of the most effective teams in the NBA by that. So, you know, they're just they're taking care of business. There were two obviously crazy, crazy game winners by DeMar in games that we probably should have lost um, based on how poorly we played for most most of the time. Yeah. But we didn't. DeMar came through and, and was cooking. And then the last two games, he's kind of been off uh, with his shooting. But, you know, like last night, Io and Kobe stepped up. Kobe's had a great nine-game streak as well. He's been playing really, really well. And I tweeted today is not only the shooting that's obviously hot, and, you know, that's going to go up and down. But the, the little things that he's doing to impact the game in a positive way, I think, are becoming more consistent. And that's something we've talked about. Many, many times with Kobe, we've always talked about, hey, even if you're not scoring, what else are you doing for me on the floor? Are you mm -hmm. rebounding? Are you, are you, uh, play, you know, uh, playing your, your help defense well? Are you guarding? You know, are you passing? And, you know, we talked about his playmaking a couple, uh, I think it was last week. Yeah. We talked about his playmaking and the improvements he's making there. But I've been really impressed with Kobe and I'm really happy for him. And then Io, man, Io has been a revelation. Yeah. Every time he gets on the court, I'm excited about it because he, he always makes himself known. Like he, mm. he, he's never, he's never Tony Snelling it out there. <laughs> just chilling in the corner, you know, like not, he's always affecting the game in some way. Now in the beginning of the season where you're saying, you know, sometimes he'd affect it in a positive way. Sometimes he'd affect him in, in a negative way, but he was always affecting the game. Yeah. That is trending all positive in the last yeah. month or so. He's just been, he's been really impressive. I, I could not be happier with where he is. And, uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at. I think the defense overall has been pretty poor, and, and Billy Donovan has said as much. I think Alex Caruso is going to really help that when he comes back. 
But overall, it's, it's really hard to nitpick a nine-game winning streak. Um, but I would say, yeah, the defense is the, is the one area of concern we have going forward. But the Bulls' offense is finally clicking. They're fourth in the league in offense. So a lot of stuff to be excited about. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on all, all accounts that uh, you brought up. And um, I, the defense definitely has been um, not what we came to be accustomed to this season. Uh, but I just feel like, you know, once once Alex gets back, things will kind of get right. They'll get back in the gear, things like that. I mean, I think if we weren't if you if you rewind and you go back to the offseason and you don't and let's say you, you get all the same signings except for maybe let's say Alex Caruso stays um, with the Lakers. I, th- I think this may be a, about what the defense would look like if you didn't have a Caruso on this team, because we talked about it on this, this, this uh, podcast and um, Lonzo is a great defender when he's kind of being able, when he's allowed to be uh, like a free safety roamer off ball. And with Caruso being here, uh, I'm sorry, with Caruso uh, being out, uh, with COVID and, and uh, the hamstring, um, <clears throat> it uh, you know it kind of kind of pushes him a little bit more into that point of attack, and takes takes that kind of roamer free safety away that we're used to uh, when Caruso's around. And you know, like for instance, when with the Wizards when they're running those those pick and roll actions and you know running that double high you know horn set. You know, if you get hit by those screen by those screens, that means Vooch has to step up a little bit more, um, and you know that that backside rotation has to be a little bit better. Um, and you know, it hasn't been as pristine and as clean as as it has early in the season without Javante and without Lonzo and everybody being right where they they, they should be with when when Caruso's on the floor. Um, but uh, I mean, honestly, I mean the biggest thing, biggest takeaway for me is that. This team just continues to find ways to win, um, and they may not—they may not be perfect. Um, but the the end goal is is like we're not gonna look back at the end of the year and say, "Gosh, we should have had that game," you know, because now we're we're seeing that these these guys are, you know, they understand they have to get better. They've talked about it, uh, but when it all you know when it all comes to the end of the the game, like who has a W? And and for the most part, these guys have been doing the best. Uh, that they can to take care of these wins. Uh, DeMar has, you know, had a big imprint on those. Uh, but uh, I'm just very ex- uh, excited. Uh, um, I'm also eager uh, for this this upcoming schedule because uh, it's, one, it's one thing, right? We, we've passed a lot of tests this year that we've had for this team. Uh, we wanted to see them, you know, stack wins. We wanted to see them continue to be uh, bring, carry over that 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 defensive intensity, that way of playing um, offensive basketball together with being uh, 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 unselfish and moving the ball around. We wanted to see if all that uh, transferred from preseason to the regular season, and, I, and obviously now we can say uh, that it has. Uh, but now it's kind of like once you start to, you know win ball games and put yourself in a different bracket in terms of, you know, where you um, tier teams. Um, like now you kind of want to see them against those top teams and see where you measure up. Um, and I think I, that's why I'm kind of eager for that. Uh, what about you? Do, you? do you feel the same way? 100%. Yeah. I mean, the team said, it, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. The Bulls have a, a, a little gauntlet. Another mini gauntlet. They had a gauntlet to open the season of like 14 straight playoff teams. 
And they've got another gauntlet where they've got, you know, uh, they're going to face Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn Nets, Warriors. Um, they're going to face a bunch of teams in a row, some back-to-backs. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. East Cokes, shout out. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, hell of a bull scene so far. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's It's been really, really great to see what they've done and, and the growth of the team. And as you mentioned, Laro, great teams find a way to win even yeah. when they're not playing well. That's, I think, the mark one of the marks of a great team. So really awesome to see. There's been a lot of chatter on Twitter the last couple of weeks about those growing expectations, I think. Because I, I think when we came into the season, we thought they would be a playoff team. Yeah. I think you and I were more optimistic about their chances of being in the playoffs versus the play-in. You know, yeah. I thought they would get to five or six in the East. Yeah. They're currently three games up in the loss column uh, to the second place Brooklyn Nets. So they're they're number one in the East right now. Um, you know, the schedule is about to get a little, little harder, but they, they've given themselves a little bit of a buffer in the standings. Um, so, I mean, proud of them and props to them for, for doing that. But it's brought up with those expectations some, you know, uh, some magnification of their weaknesses and yeah. you know, where we could possibly make some improvements. And so the trade deadline is coming up on February 10th. And a lot of people are interested to see what AK and Mark Eversey are going to do at the trade deadline. We know AK just came on uh, his first media comment since the beginning of the season this last week, said how much he liked the team, said how much, you know, he was impressed with, with what they were doing. But he also said, you know, we're listening. We're, we're always looking to improve. And there was a, a friend of ours in, in a group chat, uh, talked to AK, ran into him at a game and basically said, like said, thanks for, for saving the bulls. <laughs> and, uh, and he's, and they're, and they basically told him we're not done yet, <laughs> yeah. which is, which we've heard that from AK before. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued at what they could do. And the national media has brought up a couple of names in the last few weeks of trade targets because I think with Patrick Williams going down so early and the prognosis of his return being somewhere near the end of the season optimistically and, and maybe he won't come back at all. There's a big forward size hole in our roster right now. And so two of the very popular names that have come out over the last couple of weeks are uh, Jeremy Grant on the Pistons and Harrison Barnes on the Kings. Both teams are not in playoff contention right now, although the Kings every year seem to convince themselves that they're going to uh, until after the trade deadline and they don't make necessary moves to get a great draft pick, but they're, they're, you know, still trying to hang on to the play in the Detroit Pistons have no delusions of grandeur. They are, they're tanking for, for their money's worth. So those are two guys. I know that a lot of people have talked about on Twitter, but I know you and I said, Hey, let's, let's break down some film on these guys mm-hmm. and say, if they did come to this team, what would they provide to us? Is it and is it worth it? Because a lot of the trade scenarios that have come up involve trading Patrick Williams as the centerpiece of that trade. Yeah. Some of them have have included Kobe White uh, and, and you know Derek Jones Jr. as filler. And Derek Jones Jr. Is, is a really solid player for us. Kobe's been a really solid player for us, and Patrick Williams has a lot of promise. So I think you know it's got the fan base split a little bit on if it's, if it's worth it. So, yeah. you know, I know I wanted to dig into some film and some stats on these guys. And, and so 
I know we've, we've split that up, but I did want to mention one more thing about the defense. Yeah. I really think early on in the season, we and we ran some film on this, when, when Caruso and Lonzo were both on the court, it was deadly defensively. They just caused so much havoc. And I really think that in that same sense, Io and Javante Green have also stepped up. So when one of when two of those four are on the floor, I think our defense, our perimeter defense, has really, really been solid. Yeah. Um, and there's other guys that have stepped up, like, like Troy Brown Jr. has been a really good point of attack defender, and he's gotten better at help to fit defense. Derek Jones has been a good defender. We've got a lot of quality guys on the team, but I think specifically those four have been kind of the spearhead of our defense. And one of the reasons that defense has slipped is. Lonzo and Caruso were out for a couple weeks. Caruso is still out. And then Javante Green is now going to be out for a couple more weeks. I think they yeah. said two to four weeks. So, you know, that's a, that's a big blow to our defense. And I think that's kind of been a contributing factor there. Yeah, no, I, I that that is definitely a big, a big factor to that. Um, again, man, I mean, Vooch, DeMar and, and Zach, they're defending to the best of their ability. Um, I mean, and that's no that's no slight at them. I, I truly believe that they're they're giving it their best, and um, you know, for the most part, uh, they they've done they've done pretty well. Um, they can there are some points where you, there could be it could be better, but um, again, like w- without those without that engine and and, and Alex Caruso, who kind of sets the tone for that side of the ball. Um, I mean, it, it could be a little you know it, you can miss miss players like that easily, um, but again goes back to the continuing to win. Um, but I totally agree with everything with what you're saying, like losing Javante, that that's, that's, that's huge too. Um, because you could play him all, all around, you know, um, you can guard one through four, um, a small ball five, depending on what team you're playing. You know, if, if the, the Warriors want to run that Jonathan Kaminga lineup, you could guard the five and you can have, uh, you could just mix it up. He just does so many good things for uh, for you. Uh, it gives you uh, more options if you're Billy Donovan out there. So, um, yeah, man, you were you definitely on to something with that. Hey, I want to ask you a quick question from uh, we got a question from Jay or not question, but he says I want to. I would like for the Bulls to go after Boogie Cousins. Let's go <laughs> Bulls. So, uh, Boogie, yeah, Boogie's um, meeting with the Denver Nuggets apparently to sign a ten day. It's not for sure yet, but you know, at, at this point. Uh, it's interesting because I, I think we definitely need someone that can guard in the front court mm-hmm. a little bit more. You know, I would, I mean, personally, I would love to, to sign Boogie on a 10 day. That would be fun um, to see him in a Bulls uniform. And I think, I think he's been helpful this season in a lot of ways. Um, but I do think long-term, you know, long-term, I really feel like we need just one more piece to really be a championship contender on the level of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. So, Let's dive into let's dive into the Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes, and you know see what we can learn about them. So, if you want to start with Harrison Barnes, I know he's been a target that our friend Mort Jensen has been mm-hmm. kind of lead leading the charge on. Um, he he wrote a story recently about it, and you know, a lot of a lot of our friends in the Bulls Twitter sphere, um, you know, think of Harrison Barnes as a pretty seamless fit offensively before. So. I want to see if you had some film on him that we could go into and, and kind of help the viewers understand what Harrison Barnes is doing on the Kings and how we could fit into the Bulls. Yeah. Um, so my biggest thing with, with Harrison Barnes um, <clears throat> is yes, the, the seamless fit. Like I do believe that 
he is someone that can come onto the Bulls team, won't ruffle any feathers in terms of having to do something different for him to uh, be integrated into the offense. Like uh, watching him with, with the Kings, like he is a, you know, they, they have him in the corner a lot. Um, and Tyrese Halliburton and, and, and uh, De- why, why am I blanking on uh, De- De'Aaron Fox? Uh, they, they attack downhill off the pick and roll or beating guys off the dribble. And they do a really good job of finding him in the corners. And he has just been lights out. I mean, uh, catch and shoot this year, I believe he's at 46% on 3.7 attempts a game. Uh, overall, he's, he's 42% um, uh, for the year. He's 42% on 4.9 attempts a game. So uh, he's, he's someone in terms of the shooting department that would fit right in. Um, there's been plenty of times where <clears> – <throat> Love Javante, but there's been plenty of times where, like, if we play the Knicks, there's been times where teams will just leave him wide open. They'll just leave him. Well, if you add somebody like Harrison Barnes, there's no way you're leaving Harrison Barnes. There, there's absolutely no way. Um, and not only that, diving in the film, um, they've also had him off, you know, coming off screens and catching and shooting off uh, movement shooting. And he's done really well with that as well. They gave him some pick and roll reps. He's done really good, actually, with those as well, and pick and roll as the ball handler. Um, does a good job of putting guys in jail and using his big body and his length to get to the basket and finish. Um, and again, like that's working with Rashawn Holmes. And that's no that's no disrespect because Rashawn is a really good player. But if you put him in a pick and roll setting with Vucevic and he's, you got him popping or you got him rolling hard, and that's going to create space for him to even be a little bit more freer to work off the pick and roll. So, I mean, there's there's offensively like. Like, I, I just feel like it's just that good of a fit. Um, he's right on the timeline as well as 29, 29 years old. He's right on the timeline with, with what, what they have right now. Um, and I think I think um, there's a little bit more you can squeeze out of Harrison Barnes with this team. You know, you can, he, he's handled the ball a bit more, a bit with the Kings. And I think he could do that with the Bulls as well, depending on how defenses play. Uh, Zach and Demar, if they they double them and get try to get the balls out of their ball ball out of their hands, you can throw it to Harrison and run some different things with him. Um, <clears throat> you, you can't really do that with Javante. You kind of got to use him as a cutter. Um, and also too, there's a couple clips I saw of of uh, Harrison as as a cutter. He's a he's a pretty smart. He's just an overall smart player. Um, he, he has a good feel for knowing when he needs to back cut, reading his defender, and making the right smart cut. So um, he's just. Smart on the other end. Defensively, now that's a different story, right? So he's he's not like a deadbeat. He's not. I don't think he's uh, someone that you you can throw out there and they'll just tank the defense. I think if you put him around a defense like the Bulls have, and you ask him to do, um, you know, just kind of what they're doing now, where it's just you know you stay on the perimeter. We're not asking you to really, um, you know, let let Vooch handle his business down there. Um, I honestly depending on who you're playing. I would like to see how that a small ball five would look with Harrison Barnes if we were to get him just to see how that looks. Because uh, I think he is a smart player. I think he is someone that uh, sets good screens. Um, and I, I would just like to see that if we got him. But um, let's probably get into some clips now. I've talked probably too much on him already. So uh, let's do that. But um, let's see. What do I want to start first with HB? Um, let's go with. Let's just go with a, a very simple uh, clip here for first with him. Oh, it was full size. So, um, like I said, uh, the Kings do. They have two guards that really apply pressure 
poor defense at all times. Tyrese Halliburton being one that does it differently off tilted defenses, uh, but he's done. A, he's kind of surprised a lot of draft Twitter and a lot of people that that, that scouted him of his self creation ability um, since he's been in the league. But um, having a guy like Harrison Barnes who, who uh, you can spread, you can put him on the opposite side of the action and, and really just stretch your defense out and make make whoever that is the low man or whoever is on the you know supposed to be nail help or two passes away, make them have to make a decision on, on a rotation. Um, and here uh, you got Buddy Heald. Uh, they kind of show two here. Um, and Avery Bradley is kind of almost got to play two in a, in a way because what's going to happen is uh, this cut here is dive cut. Uh, THT is going to have to worry about that because Braun is actually playing the five, uh, play, he's, I'm sorry, guarding Alex Lynn. So you're going to have Avery Bradley have to choose in the backside here. So now he's in a position where he has to worry about ball and also worry about here um, on the wing. And Marvin Bagley could have got this ball there quicker, but he still got it there in time where it's a nice open shot. And, I mean, he just fluid. I mean, uh, Harrison Barnes, just the jumper is just uh, it's very fluid. It's very, very, very uh, quick as well. He's got a quick release when he needs to get it off quick as well. So uh, just a very simple catch-and-shoot uh, uh, rep, but, like, that's the stuff you need. You need guys because uh, not to you know shamelessly plug plug my my article is going probably coming out tomorrow, but on on Kobe. But when you have three stars like Vucevic, uh, Zach Levine, and Demar Derozan, you need to aid those three guys with spacing, floor spacing players, floor players that can provide spacing in certain certain uh, in different ways. Um, and Harrison Barnes is that guy that gives you that opportunity, that gives you that ability. Um, uh, this one I thought was pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, they're going against, uh, going against the Hawks here. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton swings the ball to Damian Jones and they're going to run like a Chicago action here. Uh, he gets a, that pin down from, uh, De'Aaron handoff kind of flip from De uh, Damian Jones. And he just takes that one dribble, pulls up, knockdown. Um, just, he's, he's just very smooth. in when it comes to, to, to get into it, getting into his shot. Um, again, just some, just another addition from the four spot having this ability. I mean, I think this is just something that takes the, the offense to top two, not if not one, um, with this type of uh, ability from the four. Um, so, so I was going to ask you about that. Do you think because our offense is so good already, even with guys like Javante and DJ and, mm -hmm. and you know Io and stuff on the floor who, who aren't you know don't have a lot of shooting gravity? Yeah. Do you really do you think that Harrison Barnes is worth the cost? Well, maybe not. Maybe I'll ask you this question later. But do you do you think there's going to be diminishing returns on you know his addition to the offense? Like, do you really think it's going to make a huge difference to our offensive capability? I do because I, when I when I think about uh, Harrison Barnes, I'm not most I'm not really just thinking about regular uh, regular season. I'm thinking about playoffs as well, where. Um, a lot of the a lot of the reasons you kind of get away with Javante and a couple of these other guys is because you're getting out into transition, you're turning guys over, you're getting turnovers um, in the regular season. But when you get into the playoffs, a lot of that goes down. You start playing teams that don't throw the ball over that much. You start playing teams that run, they grind out possessions, they they know where they want to get to, um, and then it gets to a certain point where uh, it's about execution. It's about um, you know what I'm going to run, I know what you're going to run, but can you stop it? You know and um, when you get to the playoffs, I mean, that's going to be tough to play a Javante Green at certain points 
um, when teams, you know, know the bull sets, they know where they want to get to, they're going to be able to scheme um, differently because they know, you know what, if Javante Green beats us, he beats us, but we're not going to allow Zach Levine. We're not going to allow DeMar DeRozan uh, to beat us. Um, and when you have a guy like Harrison Barnes, who, again, like I said, he can run, pick and roll. He can not only is he a catch and shoot player, he's a, he can be shot well off movement a little bit. Um, he also is a, a, a good cutter. Um, and so there, there, he also had some um, nice uh, plays out of the mid post, low post area. So there, he, he, he adds another dimension to this offense that I think that um, could take them even higher. And especially for playoffs, because if you can surround Vooch with five with four shooters, um, I mean, I mean, that that's just in consistent shooters, you know, like, uh, like Harrison, like I said, he's, he's 40 plus percent um from from overall three but catch and shoot he's still 40 46 percent so it's it's being able to surround him with with Vucevic who I'm talking about here with four shooters and guys that can handle the ball put the ball in the deck a little bit like I think that takes you to another level um and like I said Javante I love Javante but I I think in the playoffs it's going to be tough to play him because teams are going to be able to scheme differently with him on the floor yeah so I mean the last Five years, his three-point percentage, according to Cleaning the Glass, has been 39%, 42%, 38%, 39%, and then 42% this year. And as you mentioned, off the catch, it's even higher than that. So he's been he's been a good shooter for a while. Yeah. And as you mentioned, I, I agree that having a guy like that in the playoffs is is pretty important to as a you know pressure release valve uh, for you know scoring like. I already think in some ways our offense is kind of unguardable because of how many threats we have. Like Vooch, Damar, and Zach are all, you know, number one scorer type options they or they were on their team. And any one of them can get going. And then we got guys like Kobe White who can put up 20 on any given night as, he, as he's shown. Yet Lonzo can get hot. Like we got a lot of guys who can score. So that's why I asked that question, you know, if there would be diminishing returns. Um, that's also another yeah. you brought up. You, you brought up another idea is like Lonzo, right? There are games where he's a pretty volatile player, like, right? He yeah. is still impactful, but I mean, in terms of points, um, yeah, again, playoffs, we need a you're gonna need a, a, a fourth guy that, that can you know get you get you some buckets. And uh, Harrison Barnes is definitely that. I mean, there are gonna be games where, like, we all know, you know, Lonzo he'll go seven for seven. One game from three, and then the next game he'll go 0 for 6, but he'll give you 7, 8, 10 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks. So it's yeah. like, you know, he, he makes up for it. But, like, when, when you need those points, uh, Harrison Barnes is a guy that can get you that within the offense. Um, and, and you know, that I, that's just how I see about it. I mean, how I go about it. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I've got um, Tony the Pod Boss. Uh, mm-hmm. thanks for joining us, man. Uh, leaving some comments here. So, uh, first said he, he thinks that, that Harrison Barnes might be a defensive liability. So we'll, we'll definitely get to that. I know we'll talk about that. Um, uh, you know, his, his comment here is, uh, we, we need rim protection and defense uh, more than scoring that that's, uh, that's his opinion. So that's, there's a, you know, Tony, there's a, there's a big split right now kind of among the fan base of, of who, of these two players would be more important because Jeremy Grant is definitely 
more known for his defense and his weak side run protection. Harrison Barnes is is obviously more known for his offensive capabilities and his shooting. So that's a I think it's a good debate to have, and I think you know lots of fans have kind of been on both sides of this, and I'm I'm sure you and I are on on both sides of this in some aspects <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, um, he also mentions Robert Covington as a buyout player. I do not think that Covington will be a buyout player. Um, Portland traded two first round picks to get him. I think he might be available though. And if he is available, I think he's, he's a really good candidate. Yeah. If, you know, if, if we're not looking to trade a guy like Patrick Williams, I think, um, you know, Robert Covington could be a really nice addition on the defensive end who can shoot and do a little, you know, do a little thing. Yeah. Uh, do some, do some nice things for us, but yeah, thanks for the comments. And we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep looking at them. Um, it was, yeah. What were you saying, Lara? Uh, I know you got some more clips here on the offensive end with yeah. what Harrison can do. Um, so, uh, this, this one, um, this, this play here, uh, was against the Miami Heat, obviously here. Uh, but what I loved about it is, uh, the Kings are going to try to get into some Chicago action here. You get a double drag. Uh, Marvin Bagley goes over to set the pin down. Damian Jones with the, uh, the handoff. Uh, but Jimmy Butler does a good job of kind of closing that off. And then I just love the quick, the, the fast processing of, of Harrison Barnes here. He just understands, okay, let me get back door and, and he finishes it. And, and that's what I look for too. Like guys that like, there are certain guys where they, they're good scores, but they don't get it within the offense. You gotta, you gotta ISO and, and, you know, give them a whole block. You gotta give them a whole side and let them go to work from the mid post. This guy here can get you. I mean, these are the same sets of Bulls run. The, the, you know, they they you know they delay it. This would be Vooch. This would be you know uh, Javante, and you know th this is how you get into it, right? This is the same stuff. Jimmy's gonna play that the same way, and just seeing him being able to you know just get downhill on the back door, just read the floor, read what his defenders doing. Like that's the stuff you need. You need to, it, uh, you don't need guys. If you're gonna add guys, you don't need guys that are, that 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 need to to get it their own way uh, because you already have a guy, two guys, um, and 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 both of them get in within the offense. But they they also can be guys where it's like, okay, get them the ball and get out of the way. Um, I I just like the fact of Harrison Barnes, where like I said, you want to run your your double drag, you want to run your Chicago, Miami, whatever you want to run, he, he he can do that stuff. He can. Dribble, pass, and shoot. So it's not something that you have to worry about um, if you were to bring him on. You can run whatever. You don't have to run anything differently. You can literally just plug and play him, and you guys will be right right away, right right into what you need to do. Um, this one here. Uh, so uh, let me go back here. So uh, Tyrese, they run in Chicago here for, uh, I believe this is uh, De'Aaron. That's De'Aaron. He always throws me off with the haircut. Uh, but <laughs> De'Aaron, and this is what I love too. He can get it off the bounce as well. He's not only a catch and shoot guy, he can get it off the bounce as well, right? So you catch it, double rip, gets by, right into Steven Adams' chest, finish and one, you know? And again, he's just a very versatile offensive player. Um, once again, this is within the offense, right? He gets downhill, nail help comes, he just attacks the closeout, right? This, this is not something different um, that he needs, that you need to run for him. Um, and that, that's just what appeals to me with Harrison Barnes. Uh, sorry. The, Look at Steven Adams face right there. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even see that. I didn't even see that. <laughs> Look, he's like, I like that shot. That's a nice one. 
I don't know why um, that just threw me off, man. But uh, no, man. Um, I, like th- this is my this is my thing. Um, I get it defensively. He, I just feel like. Well, let, hold on. Before we get to the defense, okay. before we get to the okay. defense, I want to ask you about his creation ability and his passing. Mm-hmm. So I know he can get shots within the offense. He can come off, come off screens. He can dive to the basket. He can, you know, do that. Hit the corner shot. What's his ability to create his own, create his own shots or create for others? And you know, what's his passing ability like in your opinion? So with his passing ability. Uh... The Kings kind of used him as like a play finisher almost. So a lot of a lot of his uh, passing was just like with it wasn't really him coming off and, and firing a beautiful skip pass with the you know seeing the defense rotating. Yeah. It's him maybe it's him making an extra pass or um, just you know maybe a you know pass down for a fast break layup or something like that. But for the yeah. most part, it was him being a play finisher. Um, and I don't. Again, I, I need to. I, I'm gonna watch more Kings games, um, but these were a couple of because I, I asked a couple of our guys in the um, in the chat wearing like you know what games I should look at, um, and I'm gonna watch more to to get a better sense of his passing. But some the games that I've watched, I mean these just these different ways of him being able to be used in offense is just just what popped pop t- to me um, because defensively, um, I just. We, we'll talk, like you said, we'll get to it. Uh, just a couple more clips, and then uh, we can talk about that. But this this is something that I love to see from him uh, because, you know, D- DFS is a pretty good defender. Um, so I just like to see this in this pick and roll set here, get a flip ball screen from from uh, Rashawn. And this is what I love to see. This is what I was looking for when I saw this. I'm like, oh, wait, let me see how he handles this. Right? He comes around and just instantly puts DFS in jail here. And I love that. Um, that's him be, just being patient. He's not rushing this. Um, he's letting the play develop, and then he attacks when he has that opening. And, and I just—that's just some good patience from him. Um, and again, if, if you guys, if you're listening and you're watching this, like you'll you'll easily see my side of things here, right? And I, it's kind of the same way. Like uh, I'll just say it. It's kind of the same way as the Nets, right? Last season. Like nobody really thought the Nets defense was gonna be stellar, right? But they had an unstoppable, they had an answer for every scheme you wanted to send them offensively. So if and I go back to what I said before the season when we had Steph Noah and when we talked about defense, one of the best ways to 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 be a good defensive team is to be a good offensive team in terms of putting the ball in the net and getting back to set up your, your schemes that you want to run. Um, and when you add a guy like Harrison Barnes to your offense, yeah, you'll take a, take a little bit of a hit on your, your defense, but your offense is going to be so efficient. Like teams are going to have a problem playing the Chicago Bulls with this type of, this type of potent offense. Um, and that's just the way I go about it. Like the way I think about it, because when you think about it, the Nets almost beat the, you know, the Bucks. Um, and that was just with KD. Um, for in, in in the corpse of James Harden, um, so it's like <laughs> uh, it's it's like I understand like defense wins championships. You know, uh, defense is a huge deal, but you also need to be able to counter counter a lot of these these defensive schemes um, that teams are going to throw at you. Um, and when you have guys like four guys on the floor 
um, that can shoot it. Well, five, really, if you had a Harrison Barnes because of Vooch. Um, it, it, we're talking about unguardable now. Like, this offense would be, un, like, unstoppable. Like, there's just nothing you would be able to throw at it. Um, like, right now, what you can throw at it is being able to just leave Javante and uh, and have a fifth guy just roam on any other action. With that, not with that, I mean, with, with, with Harrison on this team, there's none of that. You can't do that. You just can't. So the spacing, the floor opens up even more so than it is now. Um, so it, it's uh, that's just the way I, I go about it. And again, my way is not right way. Uh, but I love that we we can have a different opinion, uh, everyone, you know, about what uh, what winning basketball, um, what it takes to be a winning basketball team, uh, what 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 how how to win. You know, there are different yeah. ways to win, um, and yeah. this is just the way I go about. It. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I was going to say that is, you know, there's more than one way you can win a championship or you can win a game, and you know, making your offense unguardable is definitely one of them. Uh, making it unstoppable with, with with that kind of thing. Um, making your defense stellar is also another way. Defense uh, wins championship. Ferg, what's up? Good evening or good morning or wherever you are in in the world. But um, thanks for hanging out on Bulls 101, talking about Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant and how they would fit in to to the offense and defense of the Bulls and what it would cost. So, yeah, Tony's got a comment here. You don't need a fourth guy in the starting lineup. You want more points from your bench. Lara, I know it looked like you had something to say about that. Well, um, here I, you can never have too much offense, man. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what you know you don't need a fourth guy and stuff I, I don't like I, I can again I can go back to if the fourth guy that you add is someone that needs the ball in their hands to in order to manufacture points then yeah I totally agree with that but if you can add a fourth guy that can be just as dangerous as any other any one of those other guys in terms of being able to knock down open shots and attack closeouts then I, I just don't, I don't get that. I, I, I think, I, I don't think there's an, I don't think there's a cap on offense. I think you would want to be able to continue to send guy, different guys out there and keep the kind of same potent potency that you have on offense at all times. I mean, that, that's what wakes teams up. So, I mean, um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I get it. Because if that's the case, I mean, you could still play him with the bench lineup. I mean, if that's that's what you're worried about, like you can still have him out there with Kobe and Caruso and Tony Bradley, whoever you want to throw out there, you can still have him out there. So I don't understand that yeah. comment. But again, thanks for the comment, though, bro. I appreciate it. What about this comment from Chris Gonzalez? Can we talk about how awful Lero is at fantasy football instead? Didn't you win your bracket? Yes, I did. I am the champion. I am. Uh, I don't know what he is talking about, but uh, I am. The Where's my cut? Barroom Network. Where's my <laughs> <cut>? <laughs> hey man, um, <clears throat> we can talk about that. We can definitely talk about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, well, maybe you can take your victory lap later on in the show <laughs> if Chris is still oh, around. I have a question. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, again, I would. I had the screen up, so I didn't. I couldn't see a couple of these uh, comments. But uh, Robert Robert Covington, right? Let's yeah. say you do make the move. We're talking about Harrison Barnes right now. Let's say you do make the move for Harrison Barnes. Uh, could, could you still get Robert Covington? 
I I think you could, but you would have to include Kobe in a trade. So let's say you put Patrick Williams and Derek Jones Jr. for Harrison Barnes. Uh, Robert Covington makes twelve and a half million, I believe, this year. Mm-hmm. Twelve something. You have to get within a certain percent. It has to be within one hundred twenty five percent, I think, uh, of of that of that salary. So you really have to get like ten million or so. So you know, Troy Brown Jr. makes five and a half. Kobe makes. 5.89 or something like that. Um, so you'd probably have to put both of those two together. Or if you could cobble together Troy Brown Jr. and, I don't know, Marco and <laughs> like you like throw everyone else under the bus or Javante and, you know, and yeah. uh, Matt Thomas and all those guys, you may be able to get it. I'll, I will check during our show and I'll, I'll get back to you on that if, if that's possible. <laughs> but, you know, just seeing what, seeing what was out there. That's all. Yeah, well, we have, and one of the things I was thinking of is if we did trade for a guy like Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant and it required Patrick Williams and Derek Jones, Derek Jones is a really good player for us. Um, and so even though you're adding the starting four in that scenario, you'd be losing your backup four. Yeah. And so would you be able to bring in a backup four? And the other guy I think that would be a really nice kind of slide into that would be Tory Craig, yeah. who makes, you know, because we have a $5 million traded player exception we could bring a player that makes five million dollars or less into that into that exception for the rest of the year and there's you know there's a few kind of buyout candidates or you know tory craig there's some other ones that don't make a whole ton of money um that you know that may work for so let me let me check um if, let me check here with the trailblazers if they wanted to give robert covington okay robert covington makes 12.9 million so it's almost 13 so you'd have to include, if you included Troy Brown Jr., Tony Bradley, Javante Green, Alfonso McKinney. Let's see if that gets to it. But that's like a four-for-one trade, so probably not. Um, yeah, let's see. I don't think we can do that. No, and McKinney can't even be traded. <laughs> so until March. I think you'd probably have to include Kobe then. No, yeah. that's okay. So that would be that would be tough. Now, <laughs> if we did do a Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant trade, I think Robert Covington would be a really nice target for us. You know, at that twelve point nine, you could put together Derek Jones Jr. and you know and Troy Brown Jr. and you'd be there, and you could add that player. Um, but you know, so just something to consider. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it, um, you know, Tony, that's that's a good suggestion. I, I love Robert Covington. I think you would. I think if you put him in the right defensive role, he can really shine. I think Portland has him not always in the right role defensively, and I think they rely a little bit too much on him defensively. Um, as like an on-ball defender, he's much better as a roamer help defender, yeah. um, a chaser. But, yeah, anyways, that, that's uh, good, definitely good comments. Hmm. How about that one? So Serge Ibaka is another one. I was of the opinion earlier this season that he was done – because he had back surgery and anyways, he just didn't look good before, but he's had, if, if I remember, I think he's had a little stretch of games here that makes you think he's got a little bit left of the tank. So, you know, this is, I I don't have time to go into film tonight, but Serge Ibaka is the type of guy, I think a big, that can add a little bit offensively with the shooting. Yeah. um, That could kind of step in for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. I think he could be a nice player. At that kind of price, that kind of price point. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I love, I love Surge. Um, Surge is someone that I, I used to love watching a lot because I just love his versatility defensively um, and offensively being able to, you know, I remember 2014, 2015, <clears throat> he would, he'd be able to take a couple dribbles in, pull up from mid range. So it's like, I mean, I, I used to love watching Surge, man. So I wouldn't mind having Surge on this team, especially with what he can add to it. Uh, to it. Were he, were he and Demar Nippy asked, were he and Demar ever tr- together in Toronto? I believe they were. I believe they were because didn't they trade Surge for Marcus Saul, or what did, how did they bring in Marcus Saul? Hmm. I can't. Rem- I can't recall, but I'm pretty sure that 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 uh, they were they played together at some point in in Toronto. I might be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta look. He's asking really hard questions. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Getting killed here. Hey, man. But um... do you do you have any more offensive clips? Or you want to talk about um, Harrison's defense? Uh, so let me see something here. Oh, wrong one. Uh... So. Really, I mean, most of them, most of these, most of these, if not all of them, are offensively. But I can tell you just from watching some of the games of what I saw. Um, so, again, the game against the Miami Heat. Um, again, a lot. Most of these games I watched, he was playing a three, and I, he's definitely more of a four now. He's not. He, I don't think. I think his days as a small forward are. You know, and obviously, if you need it in the pinch, I think he can do it. But if you want, you don't want to rely on him to be. A three nowadays. I think you would much more rather him be uh, a four um, now. But uh, he's not really good at change of direction. So um, if he's guarding someone that, uh, like a Paul George, somebody that can give you a one two and then step back, sidestep, whatever, he has trouble with that. Um, there were some times where they had him as uh, nail help, um, and uh, he would help at the nail, and the, the guard or whoever it was that was attacking the nail uh, shot it over to the wing. Um, he has, he, he just changed the direction. It's just not his deal. Um, he did well, uh, when he was playing with bigger guys, um, he was able to use some of his size, um, in, in just be solid force misses that way. But if he's got a guard, you know, uh, I don't know, like the Paul Georges of the world, he's, he's definitely going to have a little bit of pro- a little bit of a problem uh, with that. So it, it's just, more so about, and also too, I, I just don't think I, I don't trust the defensive scheme that the Kings run. They, they switch a lot, very easy, soft switching. So he would also be put in situations that you, you wouldn't want him to be put in just because of the yeah. scheme. Um, so it, you, you kind of want to see him in a different, different scheme as well. Just see if some things uh, mesh, because honestly, I mean, if you're lying to yourself, if you thought DeMar DeRozan was going to be a serviceable, passable as he's been uh this so far this season so um you just never know man like these guys when winning time is here and you you want to win like you do things that you people didn't think you could do and uh, DeMar, <laughs> demar has definitely been surprising me man i i, I, I man I, we were told dude dies on screens all the time doesn't you know and, and dude is, uh, we watched film on it yeah i mean we watched him like the man was having a funeral every time he got screened <laughs> Uh, just yeah. uh, like fall over on the ground sometimes. Like just yeah. like literally die on screens. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's 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 
he's hauling. He's hauling this season. He's doing he a lot there on both ends. He wants yeah. to win. You know, you can see it. So, I mean, that's part of me. That's part of my part of my evaluation too. Like when I evaluate, obviously you, you evaluate the skill, you evaluate what you see on the film, but at the same time, like you also want to see you know, when, what, what are they asking from him in the scheme? You know, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. would he fare differently in another scheme? Now, that's what I would like to, that's what I like to think about as well. For sure. And Nippy, thanks for checking for us. Damar and Ibaka did play for a season and a half together. I was pretty sure. I was pretty confident that that, that it was the case. But uh, Damian Johnson, who suggested the surge trade, surge has size, defense, playoff, and championship experience, and can shoot threes. Yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a really good player. The, the only question for me was how much of it is still left in the tank for him after that back surgery, because back surgeries can be really, you know, pretty critical, uh, especially for bigs. Um, so, you know, if, if he can continue playing well. I think he's definitely a candidate to look into before the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. So let so here's the so here's the issue for me with Harrison Barnes, because mm-hmm. I agree with you offensively. I think he, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat and adding more offense, especially at the caliber that Harrison Barnes provides and the seamless fit that he would provide, because he doesn't need he do, we don't need to feed him a certain shot diet for him to be happy. You know, he's just he just goes within the flow of the offense, and we've mm-hmm. already got, you know, guys that um, that control the offense in Zach and Demar, and sometimes Vooch, and you know, like that need certain shots created for them. Harrison Barnes isn't going to be that guy. He's just going to come in. He's going to make his shots. He's going to make good passes, good reads. He's going to play ball, right? He's just yeah. going to fit right in. So the chemistry that we've built, I think, would stay intact and, and be improved upon. And offensively, as you mentioned, we're fourth right now, but we may be we may be able to vault to the first or second best offense in the league, which is pretty amazing, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) but it's to me, it's what I would have expected. Like other than the nets, I was like, who, who has a better offense than us? Like in, in theory now, Trey young and any four bums off the street could probably be a top 10 offense uh, in in the NBA because of how good Trey is um, in the pick and roll. But, other than that, I mean, it's it's it's. I still think it's it's pretty impressive. But <clears throat> the rebounding, the defense, as Ferg says, you know, is, is more of a need. So that's what Harrison. That's what we're about. You said, hey, if you put him on Paul George, he has to do a lot of change of directions, which is what a lot of those big forwards are doing. Giannis, mm-hmm. KD, Paul George, Kawhi, mm-hmm. LeBron. You know, those guys all. Uh, Jason Tatum. I mean, the list goes on. Those guys all can change directions quickly and can really put you in a bind if you're not quick. And so that's where I think Harrison Barnes doesn't fit a need. Not now, as you mentioned, he's not going to kill you on defense. Mm-hmm. He may be neutral, neutral most of the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, but I think for for many fans, that's that's the key ingredient that that this team is missing in their eyes. That we really need someone who can hold up against big forwards that handle the ball because guess what? If we go through the East, even if we end up with the first seed, we're going to have to face one of Milwaukee and Brooklyn and probably Miami at some point too. You know, if if those are the top four seeds, we're going to play two of those teams at minimum Uh um, to get to, you know, to get to the finals. And guess what? Jimmy Butler is, you know, a pretty bruising forward, uh, uh, KD is the most unguardable slender man in the world. 
Uh-huh. I was watching film of him tonight, looking up stuff for Jeremy Grant. That man just does not. He's just silky smooth. It's just so hard to guard. And then um, Giannis, you know, Giannis on on the Bucks, and even Chris Middleton, for, for what it's worth. Big forwards that can handle the ball. And, I mean, Giannis just punishes people and uh-huh. just bulldozes them all the time. So you're never going to stop those guys. But being able to contain them, make their life harder, make them take tough shots, just get up, hand in their, you know, hand in their face. That's what's really important for, you know, for a playoff setting. So that's, I think that's where the question comes in. All right. Harrison Barnes would be lovely to add to the team, but does Mm -hmm. he fit the, does he fit that need defensively? And does he, does he upgrade your roster enough on both ends to justify trading Patrick Williams and Derek Jones, who's, who's been a productive player for us. So that's, I mean, that's the big question. I don't know the answer to it. Um, but defensively, I think that's where the concern is for me. And he's not going to kill you on defense. He's never been a bad defender. But as you said, he's he's a little bigger. He's a little heavier. He's not mm-hmm. as, he's not super quick laterally. Um, he, he'll be solid, but he's not gonna he's not gonna be out there changing the game on defense. Would you agree with me? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But uh, uh, I would just challenge. I would just say to certain people to go watch. Bobby Portis in the playoffs with the Bucks, and look at what happens when you are inserted into an, a, 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 a scheme that fits you. Um, and I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, but it don't matter who you guard. I mean, who you, who you, who you bring. Um, it just, again, this is my way of thinking. This, this nobody else has to think their way. Um, but it, Giannis, KD, all the names that we're naming, these are guys that are going to get their buckets. They're going to get their buckets. Um, you can make it hard. I mean, PJ Tucker made his, you know, did his thing, but Katie still was one toe away from ending that series. So it, it, it's it's like, yes, you want to worry about guarding those guys. You want to worry about uh, containing those guys. But at the same time, you want to do what you do well, right? You don't want to change what you do well because you're worried about, when, uh, you know, a guy that's going to get his 30 plus every night, like do you like, you want to do what you do well every single night at the top, at the highest ability. So um, if, if you feel that Jeremy Grant, adding Jeremy Grant is the guy that can, you know, come in and, you know, do the best he can against those guys, then sure enough, uh, definitely do that. But uh, I'm just, I'm just, that's you know that's that that's that's your cup of tea. My cup of tea is I'd rather be able to 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 if if we have to um, be able to do deploy different lineups and and, and continue to show teams different looks. Um, that's just the way I, I think about. It. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm just I'm just I'm bringing up concerns because I know these are concerns I've had and concerns you've had, right? And we've talked about these things, and you know there's no it's there's never perfection, as you mentioned. We you know we talked today. Um, like you, you're there's no defensive scheme that is defenseless. Like there's, I'm sorry, there's no defensive scheme that has no weaknesses, right? Every mm-hmm. every scheme has a weakness. Every scheme you can exploit to some extent. The only thing you can improve, as I said, is your personnel yep. that are running the scheme. That's that's what you can do. Improve the personnel and improve the execution of the scheme. And if you do those things, you know, you can make almost any scheme work if you tailor it to you know to whatever offenses running against you but 
Yeah, I mean, I think Harrison Barnes would be a really, really awesome addition, as you mentioned, given opposing defenses, different looks, being able to always play five on five, uh, you know, having five threats out there. Because it, let's let's take a look at a lineup, right? In a in a theoretical trade where we trade Patrick Williams and Derek Jones, and we bring in Harrison Barnes, your starting lineup is Lonzo, Zach, Demar. Harrison Barnes, Vooch, right? All five of those guys can fill it up. Now, Lonzo is probably the one that fills it up the least, but he gets hot. And if mm-hmm. he gets hot, he's going to hit six or seven threes on, on that night. Um, and even if he's not, as I mentioned today on Twitter, and somehow somebody managed to take offense to it anyway, but I said, even if Lonzo scores nothing, yeah, even if he has like a one for seven night like he did the other night, he's still, as you said, rebounding. Assists, steals, blocks, great passing, great defense, communication. Like the, the dude is just a winning player. He he just yeah. impacts the game positively all the time. So those five, and then your bench, Alex Caruso, Kobe White, Io Desunmu, uh, and then you have Tony Bradley, Troy Brown Jr., Alfonso McKinney. Like those are kind of your next three. I'm not sure which one would be in the rotation. And maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe it would just be Io, Kobe, and Caruso off the bench in that scenario. You have like an eight-man rotation. That's a really potent offensive lineup. I mean, that's a really potent uh, offensive um, offensive eight-man unit. I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, but that that I think that could defeat any defense in the NBA. Like that could yeah. win a series. <clears throat> and no, I and you know, even again, this is you know, I think um, this is just a fun exercise for us. Uh, yeah. But I think. I think also too, like Pat, I mean, not Pat, um, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy, uh, Jeremy does some things that are that are offensively that are fun as well. Um, and defensively, I mean, I think we've seen, you know, his Denver days, okay. Watch it. Days. Don't, don't steal my thunder here. Oh yeah. My bad, my bad. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but no, I, I think, I think, you know, he's fun too. And I, and I don't want to make it seem like if we got Jeremy, I would be mad. It would just be like, you know, I, I guess, honestly, I think it's just like that mastermind in me of, of offensive, like your firepower that, that I, that I would want, but I, I get it. Like you definitely want balance. You want, you want to be able to throw different, uh, I mean, be able to guard those, you know, uh, big wings, big forwards that have a little, wiggle to him uh, definitely but uh, yeah, yeah man this is where I'm at so listen Ferg brings up a good point he says he, he thinks that Pat will be back by playoff time now here is what I don't want Bulls fans to do and what I'm really really worried will happen if we don't make a trade and Pat comes back in like March or April fans are going to expect Pat after not playing basketball the entire year to come in and be a positive contributor on the floor. And I just think that is a difficult ask for him, especially when he had wrist surgery. You know, it's his off wrist, so he's still going to be able to do some things. He's still going to be able to, you know, do conditioning and things. But it's not like he was a world beater before. I mean, he's a young player that has a lot of skills that need a lot of work, right? I mean, we can all admit that he has a lot of potential, but his actual on-court production on both ends so far has been pretty substandard. Right for an NBA player, he he has not been a good NBA player yet. Now, I think you and I are probably higher on Pat than almost anyone else in in the <laughs> Bulls' Twitter sphere, um, because of the things that we've seen him do on both ends. Yeah, but a lot of what we want Pat to do is theoretical rather than reality right now. 
And so I think asking Pat, and I'm not saying Ferg is saying this, so yeah. Ferg, please don't take offense, but you just you just reminded me of this. But I think if Pat comes back and he's working himself back into shape as we start the playoffs and we're expecting, you know, championship level, playoff level performances from him, I think that's going to be set up for failure. Um, now, well, now, as Ferg says, maybe Pat only has to play defense, rebound, and hit open shots, plays a role. But that's that's still a lot to ask. I mean, playing defense against Giannis and KD and those guys, I mean, it's a tough ask. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying I wouldn't expect it from Pat this year. That that would be my 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 little blurb on that. I, what I have to say to that is, it's like people say that like that's just so easy. Like you just have to play a role and, and you just have to, you have to hit shots and you have to rebound and play deep. That's all you got to do. Like that's just hard, man. Like, especially for Pat, like he's a guy that's still trying to find his way in the NFL, the NBA. Um, and he's also he's like, so lost. He's in the NFL now. I know, <laughs> but he, he's, um, he, he's got to find his way, man. And, and um, for him to come back, and play playoff minutes, uh, like, like for instance, like with this team right now, we're not only thinking deep playoff run, we're also thinking this team has a chance to maybe fighting for a title. So Pat's going to come back and have to meet those standards. Like, and, and that's a tough ask. So just to say that just, you know, that, that's all he has to do. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of underselling what he has to do like that. This, he has to come back, Get his conditioning up, get used to playing NBA speed again, going, you know, finding his role again, because he didn't even have his role down when he was when he was yeah. healthy. He was, he was still trying to find how he can affect things um in a in an off-ball role. So like he's gonna have to do all that when he comes back. So like is that's tough. That, that's tough, man. So I don't know. Hey man, just come back and guard Giannis. It's cool. Right. It's fine. Just guard Giannis. <laughs> Man, I feel bad for anyone who has to do that. I'm just saying, Man. NBA player or not, but oh, um, Nippy had, had a good question here. What do you guys think about Cam Reddish? He's shown a little bit of both, able to create some offense and defend well in the perimeter. Neither to the extent of Barnes and Grant, but he is 22. No, I think Reddish has turned himself into a nice young player, I and mean, he's still inconsistent, but he is a yeah. good defender. He's six eight. Uh, I think the Kings, I mean, like Kings, I think the Hawks are gonna first round. You want a first round pick or a yeah. better player back. So I'm yeah. not sure that we that the Bulls specifically would be in position to to trade for him just because I don't think we have what the Hawks really want. But yeah, um no Cam Reddish is, is would be a, like a wonderful wing forward to have on this team. I think he'd be fit really well. Mm-hmm. All right, Jordan. What's up, Jordan? I he, he's got a question here that uh he says I'm late to the video, so I might have missed it. But his hot take is the Bulls don't need to trade for Grant or Barnes. They need legitimate size. So I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here, Jordan. Not about the Grant or Barnes thing, but the legitimate size thing. I agree that they need someone to play. They need a mobile four that can also play the five at points. What I don't think they need is a center. And a lot, I see a lot of Bulls fans saying we need to go out and get like Christian Wood mm-hmm. or... Demarcus Cousins, now not Demarcus Cousins on a 10 day, but like signing Demarcus Cousins to be like a backup five for us long term. I don't think they need, I don't think they need that kind of size. I think they need someone who can guard 
creation heavy front court players or like bigger wings, you know, three to five. They can need someone that can guard three to five. So a center most of the time can't guard three to five. They can guard fives and like occasional slow footed fours. I think we need someone who can guard from three to five, uh, you know, fours specifically, but can get out in the perimeter and guard a little bit, contain some general penetration. And then at the five, I think, you know, they should be able to, to kind of hold their own in some small ball lineups. That that's just my opinion. So that's that's my only pushback. But I don't know if the Bulls should trade for Grant or Barnes. I mean, that's a good question. That's why we're here asking mm-hmm. it tonight and looking over this film. But but Jordan, shout out, man! One of the best Bulls fans you'll you'll ever see and interact with. Love you, bro. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, Chris. Man, I I don't think uh, like that, everything you just said. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, well now jordan says hey we can get a big four and a legitimate backup five hey that's fine isaiah hartenstein come on down right you know he's having a nice time with the clippers right now yeah no i, I wouldn't mind that if we if we got both but i i think the the bigger need is is the four but uh good comment there so uh skokes brings up uh okongu and i i don't think they would uh I don't think they would get rid of him. I think they love that get that guy, man. So yeah, uh, I think they're pretty high on him. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I, I would love him. I would love him, but yeah, yeah. Mister M- MDJ, based your analysis, I think Robert Covington or someone like him is someone that is really what the Bulls need. If Kobe keeps scoring like this, they just need a defensive three-four who should be able to hit shots in the corner. Yeah, I think uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but. Covington, I think, would be a really nice piece. I don't think he provides quite as much as Grant or Barnes do in this situation, but he also probably wouldn't cost, you know, he wouldn't cost Patrick Williams, most likely. So yeah, definitely definitely a, a candidate that is a worthy one. Um, yeah, so uh, Jordan says um, he might prefer to keep Pat and hit the buyout market or trade for guys like Torrey Craig. Yeah, we brought up Torrey Craig uh, a little bit earlier. He, I think he's he would be a perfect buy-low candidate for that kind of role, for sure. Um, all right. Have we hit our limit on Harrison Barnes? If anyone in the comments has more questions or if Lero, if you got anything else on no, Harrison I, Barnes. I think clearly, uh, the chat is either, uh, no Harrison. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy or no to me. It's either of them. So, uh, yeah, I lose this round. <laughs> I don't think it's not a competition. No, but I think, <laughs> Yeah, and and I'll and I guess I'll I'll try and give my take at the end of this as to whether I think we should trade for them at all or not. Um, but let's talk about Jeremy Grant for a minute here. Um, so Jeremy Grant, and, and let's uh, let's go over this real quick. Harrison Barnes, I think, weighs about two thirty, and he's six foot eight. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant, I think, is a little bit weighs a little bit less. I think he's like two fifteen, two twenty ish, if I remember yeah. right. Um, he's six foot nine, so he's a little bit taller, and he's got a seven foot three wingspan. So uh-huh. he he really has some great some great physical tools on the defensive end. So, all right, let me bring up. Uh, so you got the first clip here. All right, so the question of the day is: Can he guard KD and can he guard Giannis? So my first two clips here um, are my first clip here is have him guarding Kevin Durant. No one can guard Kevin Durant. Let me just say that. Up front, nobody can guard Kevin Durant. What you can do to Kevin Durant is get in his face, make him uncomfortable, and then you pray that he misses the shot. That is the best Kevin, uh, the, the best Kevin Durant defense you can have. <laughs> so 
that being said, here's here's what uh, Jeremy Grant uh, it gets matched up here. You got um, you got Patty Mills at the top of the key. He passes to Kevin Durant on the left elbow, and Jeremy Grant thought he was coming up to set a screen. So if you go back here uh, real quick, so Kevin Durant comes up like he's going to set a screen on the right side. I think it's um, uh, what's like uh, Corey Joseph. Mm-hmm. So, so Jeremy Grant's kind of um, shadowing him on the left side. He catches the ball on the left double here. Jeremy Grant is able. Now he's out. And you can see he's beat right now, based on where Kevin Durant is. He's able to move laterally into Kevin Durant, move with him, and just get a hand right up in his face and, and forces a tough little turnaround fadeaway. He misses that shot. It was one of only like three shots he missed that entire game. <laughs> um, but he has the size and the quickness to guard a guy like Kevin Durant. And very, very few people in the NBA do have that uh, at that kind of a level and are are good, good players at the same time. So, oh. yeah. Oh, my God. Like, look at – look at hold on one second. Like, yeah. dude is not even <laughs> – He's not even left like the ground fully, and his yeah. arms are like at the ball. <laughs> that's so crazy. That's that's, crazy. that's why, because Kevin Durant <laughs> and and Giannis specifically are very very long limbed individuals, yeah. and allows them to get shots off that are really hard to guard. Um, you have the same thing with like Christoph Porzingis because he's so freaking tall that no one can yeah. no one can really contest his shot. Jeremy Grant can. He is tall enough to contest that shot because of not only his length, but his leaping ability. Now, here he doesn't leap very, very far, but he's got that size. He's got that length, and he can just bother Kevin enough, you know, to to, to just disrupt his rhythm. And, you know, that's that can be the, the difference between victory and defeat sometimes in a game is, is that rhythm. Or a toe, the size of your toe can also be the difference, <laughs> as you know from last year. All right, so this next clip here is guarding uh, Giannis. And strips him on a fast break. So listen, I watched every possession that uh, Giannis scored or attempted to shoot this this season. Jeremy Grant guarded him several times, but every time Giannis saw that Jeremy Grant was guarding him, he pulled up for a three every single time. He guarded him like 15 times. 14 of those times, he pulled up for a three. The only time that I could find a clip of him guarding uh, Jeremy Grant on like something to the basket was here in transition. So Giannis gets the ball in transition and he goes into his little Euro step. So he gets right to the nail, comes up the Euro step. Jeremy Grant has the length and the quickness to stay in front of him and strip that ball as he goes up for layup and does not get called for a foul. So just a little, you know, a little simple clip, but uh, he has guarded he has guarded both of those people in the past and done about as admirably as you can on, on either of them. Um, so that I think is the central question to why you would trade for Jeremy Grant in the first place is to guard guys like KD and Giannis. And there aren't, there's no one that can guard them really, really effectively, but I think Grant is up there with, you know, some of the best that, that some of the best candidates you can put out on the floor to guard those guys. Uh, let's see. All right. So I love this little sequence here. This is when they play the Lakers. Jeremy Grant, this is a little one dribble pull up, makes it. So this is, if you want to pause it real quick, actually, um, and go back to that, that clip. So Jeremy Grant this year, he has a much bigger role 
on uh, the Detroit Pistons than he did in his previous stops. And so if I want to say, okay, so his usage in the last two years, this year it's 25.9%. The year before it was 27%. The three years previous in Denver and OKC, it was like sub 15% usage. So his shot diet has changed significantly since he got to Detroit because he's the man in Detroit. And that was one of the reasons he went to Detroit because he got the same offer from Denver that he did from, from the Pistons, but he wanted to kind of expand his, his offensive game. And he has, so he has developed um, an isolation game, a pull-up game that he didn't really display as much uh, before. So I think one of the caveats, and I'll talk about this later, one of the caveats of him coming here is that he, uh, his role on offense is going to change pretty significantly from what it is right now because I don't think the Bulls need him to run isolation or, or do pull-ups because they got DeMar and Zach doing that kind of stuff. His role is going to be much more shooting threes, diving for cuts at the basket, like Javon, like playing the Javante green role, but at a much higher level on offense. Um in my opinion, but he does have the capability to create his own shot in a pinch. And he's not super effective as an isolation scorer in general, but it's the Pistons. So um, I wouldn't expect that, but he does have that capability. He can create his own shot and, and, you know, he can be effective at it at times. But anyways, this little sequence here is like uh, two plays on offense and two plays on defense just kind of gives you the whole Jeremy Grant experience. Um what I really want people to focus on as they're watching this is him defensively and the communication. You can see him. You can't hear it because I don't have the audio, but you can watch him talking a lot on defense and directing the defense. And that's something I think is really impressive here as he kind of helms the defense um, in the front court as a low man. So, yeah, yeah if you want to just run through this clip and play it again. So he pulls up, wonderful pull up here uh, over DeAndre Jordan. Now here he is in transition. You can hear him, like you, you see him yelling at guys. Now he's here. He, uh, DeAndre goes to post him up, and then he also deters that shot at the rim. Comes out again, digs at the elbow here, and then they had to, they're, they're they're forced to take a tough shot. And he comes over and he gets over his defender and slaps that ball up for transition bucket, which he then actually is going to. Going to shoot a three, but gets it down to Isaiah Stewart down low on a fake on a fake shot. Gets that pass down. Here it comes down again on defense. He's guarding down low, and then watch him box out here on for this rebound. Once once he eventually takes a shot, <laughs> I could get this clip. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Davis doing ISO stuff for ten seconds, and then giving it up. Gets this rebound, and now now watch he'll lead the break here. And he pulls up for this transition three splash. So that little clip right there, I thought was really kind of what Jeremy Grant is good at. He he shoots more above the break threes than he does corner threes, which I think will work well anytime that Vooch is not on the floor. Vooch is also an above the break three-point shooter. Yeah. But Zach, Lonzo, Caruso, Kobe, all those guys can shoot in the corner. Um, Jeremy can shoot in the corner. But when he's on the court with with Vooch, I think you'll probably see Jeremy Grant more on the wings or in the corner or maybe playing the dunker spot. Um, when Vooch is not on the floor, 
I think Jeremy can play small ball five. He can pop out for those threes, and he's actually pretty effective. So over the last couple of years, he has shot. So this year he's shooting 35% on all threes, but non-corner threes he's shooting 38%. Uh, same the year before, he shot 40% non-corner threes two years ago, 39% three years ago, 38% four years ago, or four or five years ago. So the last the last four years he has shot 40% overall, 38% overall, 35 and 35. So the through 35s are in Detroit. It's gone down because I think he has a more difficult role, a bigger offensive role. But I think a lot of people think he's not a good shooter. I would disagree. I think he's not a super good corner three shooter, but overall from three, I think he's pretty. he's been pretty consistent. Um, he takes about, let me see, I think it's three and a half. Yeah, when he was in OKC in Denver, he took about three and a half threes a game, and he shot them at almost 40% and 39% those two years. So pretty decent. You know, he's not yeah. high volume, but he's he's definitely going to get a lot more credibility on the offensive end than Javante or DJ will. Um, so anyways, I if you have any comments on, on that clip, but I just liked his defensive communication. I liked the, the boxing out, and I, I just thought he, on that first play, he prevented – dribble he prevented shots at the rim on a couple different levels so i just thought that was it was you know emblematic of, of what he does on the defensive end and then yeah. i've got another clip after that um, but if you have anything here and i gotta check comments too <laughs> yeah no i i think uh that was actually a really uh really great clip i, I like you said it just it really just showed everything that uh that he can bring to the team just in that that like not really nice sequence um the communication on the backside um defensively um the long rangey body being able to get over uh to help in the pick and roll being able to you know just move around and uh you know he's somebody that you can switch with if you want to switch everything you can you can switch everything with jeremy so uh yeah man that was a really good clip clip i mean um just to get a couple of comments here, um, there's a mention, Mr. MDJ, uh, Jeremy Grant is not bored well enough. So that actually in Detroit has been an issue for him. His, his rebounding numbers have have not been super impressive. So I've looked at some of the film that um, some of the Detroit people actually went through and I, I looked at it. I think a lot of it is, uh, it's not, it's definitely not uh, any physical limitation. I think it's just, um, effort and focus. So it's one of those things, Laro, as you said, when you're on the championship team or you have those aspirations, I think your, your focus is better and you really want to win. So yeah. I, I'm not super concerned about it, although I doubt he's going to help us with our rebounding. I think we're, I think we're in the mid twenties in rebounding percentage right now as a team, which is not super great, obviously. Um, and he's, he, that's definitely one area that he's not going to really help at, I would say. Okay. So here's what, I am most excited about with Jeremy Grant is these next two clips. So if you want to play these clips, so this is um, Jeremy Grant and the Pistons playing the Pelicans. Jeremy is on the weak side. He blocks a dunk attempt from Jonas Valanciunas coming from the weak side. So that weak side rim protection where he comes over from, from that side and just stonewalls him. I mean, Jonas does this little move. He should have an open dunk. And that for almost anyone else, in the league trying to guard that would just get dunked on. 
Hmm. Jeremy has the length and the size and the quickness and that and that leaping ability. And here he goes. Uh, you have a guard coming off um, a little pick here. I think it was. Let's see the second clip. Uh, yeah, guard coming off a screen. And he comes for a layup. And Jeremy comes all the way over from that weak side and just sends it into the third row. So, okay, it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit the third row. But you know what I mean. <laughs> no, no, Jimmy, yeah. But I, his weak side rim protection is what I hope is the thing I hope for Patrick Williams one day. Now we've seen little flashes of Pat Williams doing that, but Jeremy Grant has been doing that his whole career. Yeah. Uh, his, his, his shot blocking has been, been really, really good. Um, trying to find his stats here, his block percentage um, for his career is over 2%. And in certain parts of his career has been over 3% and once over 5%, <laughs> which is insane block percentage. Um, and his steal percentage is pretty good. It's 1.5% this year. Yeah, and his block percentage this year is 1.8%. Um, but he's also, I think, yeah, he's he's playing a little bit more kind of away from the basket um, this year in, in some instances. So I think that would be a really, really big help to us defensively. Here's why. The Bulls allow the most shots at the rim in the entire league out of any oh. team. They are 30th. And even though opponents aren't shooting a great percentage there because we've got guys like Derek Jones and Javante Green and Io and, you know, that can kind of rotate on the weak side and come up and, and block shots or deter people at the rim because we've got Vooch playing out higher up in the coverage. That's still a weakness. It's still difficult to maintain that kind of, I mean, shots at the rim are the most efficient shot in basketball, basically, right? Uh, so it's it's really difficult to have an elite defense when you allow that many shots at the rim. So having a guy like Jeremy Grant be able to provide rim protection and that deterrence, because I think I think he'll be a deterrent. If people know he's going to rotate over from the weak side to block their shot, the guards aren't going to try those layups, you know, and the, the bigs may pass out. And uh, instead of going for the dunk. So I think I think that's a really important aspect of, of his defense is is that weak side of rim protection. What do you think? No, I think that's, you know, for me, when I think about Jeremy Grant, um, that's one of the first things I think about is, is weak side uh, rim protection. Um, I think we when we played them early in the season, like he was definitely um, wiping some stuff off the glass from the weak side. So <clears throat> that's definitely something you think about. Um, you think about a guy that can step behind a three-point line and knock down um, three balls defensively is definitely, for, especially for this team, defensively is like the biggest thing you think about with, you know, for him and he's somebody that can come in and fill that, that, that void, you know, that, um, um, you know, guys do a really good job. They, they compete, you know, Javante, Caruso and, and Lonzo, they all compete against the bigger guys. I mean, Lonzo had to guard uh, Julius, Julius Randle, um, and did a pretty good job. Uh, but um, it's just you, you kind of don't want to have to do that if you don't have to. You, um, and adding a guy like uh, Jeremy would allow you to, to not have to depend on Lonzo to do that and Caruso to, yeah. to guard those bigger guys. And in thinking of some of the playoff matchups, if we play the Bucks, for example, Drew Holiday – Chris Middleton, I would want Caruso and Lonzo respectively on those guys. Mm -hmm. And then Giannis, I'd want a guy like Jeremy Grant. You know, otherwise, like 
who's going to guard Giannis or who's going to guard Middleton or Drew, you know, in those situations. Like those are three guys that you really need to guard. Same thing with Brooklyn. You got Kyrie Irving for away games, James Harden and Kevin Durant. We got, we would have three guys who would match up really, really well with all three of those guys. I think, you know, we've seen Caruso take Harden's lunch uh, over and over again. Uh, Lonzo, I think can, can hang um, defensively with, with either of those two guards in, in spurts. And then another team, the other team I think about is the Miami Heat. You've got Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. Uh, I think, you know, having a guy like Jeremy Grant really just gives you more defensive options. And the other thing is we really don't have a small ball five in this lineup. I know Derek Jones Jr. has done an admirable job at that. Um, but I think it would unlock another gear for us defensively to have a guy like Jeremy Grant that you could play as a small ball five. And because because his rim protection is so good as a weak side rim protector, I think he could step into that role as a small ball five in, in many instances in the regular season and I think in pinches in the playoff. So that's that's what I want to talk to you uh, to, to you guys about for Jeremy Grant defensively, offensively. So here's the caveat and here's the worry of other people I've talked to around the league uh, or fans of the teams I've talked to. And the worries they have about Jeremy Grant are about his role acceptance. So that's, I think that's the thing, because as I mentioned early on, his shot diet is going to be very, very different here than it is in Detroit currently. And if that's going to be a problem for him, then it's probably not worth trading for him. If he doesn't seem like he wants to fit on the offensive end, if he's not okay standing in the corner sometimes or cutting or running off screens, you know, then then maybe that isn't the right fit. But he is a guy that he if he's on the floor, even if he's playing a Javante Green style role as far as his shot diet's concerned, he is a guy you cannot ignore. Right? He I mean he he has he can put up 20 points, right? He can he can put up buckets. Like I think he can still be a positive impactor on the offensive end, even though he's not Harrison Barnes level shooting and scoring. I really think that. Um, that Jeremy Grant would be a, a, a fine, a fine person on the offensive end, with the caveat that he we don't have to create shots for him, like you were saying in the beginning, right? Harrison Barnes doesn't. You don't need to feed him certain looks, as long as Jeremy is okay. Taking a kind of you know taking a step back on the offensive end, I think it can fit really well. Now here's a here's a, a tweet that Ricky sent out today that I thought was really interesting. Um, he, he thought that the bulls were one piece probably one piece away he says if only there was an available four four slash five who stands six nine with a six seven 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 three wingspan and can say he's played for mark eversley in philly played for billy donovan in okc played for arturis karnashovas in denver and is literally horace grant's nephew and so like my opinion is if there's anybody if there's any team that can get jeremy grant to buy in to his role on this team, I think it would be the Chicago Bulls because of those connections that he's had. Basically, in every stop of his career, he's got someone on the Chicago Bulls that he can talk to, that he can relate to. So I don't know what you think about that, but I, I think the offensive role acceptance is probably a smaller issue than a lot of people are thinking. But if it's true, and that is an issue, I think it's a deal breaker for me. Yeah, no, um, and, and part of that is too, um, what you just said is like, they'll know, 
they'll the uh, AK yeah uh, Mark Mark Eversley they'll they'll know if he if he's gonna be the guy that wants to take that step step back um, yeah you know and, thank you Ferg and I think <laughs> I think uh, earlier in in the um, in the show I can't remember who it was that commented. Uh, but you don't want to mess up the chemistry. So you don't you, you just don't want to yeah. bring guys that, that come here and, you know, they want to be the reason why you win a championship instead of, you know, it should be a team effort getting that championship kind of deal. So you, it's a fine line, you know, like you want to make sure that he um, wants to um, take a step back because, I mean, you know, we got DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine on this team in uh, Vucevic who all need those touches more than, you know, than, than him. Um, if he's okay, like you said, almost playing like that, 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 um, upgrade, upgraded, uh, like he evolved, you know, that, uh, Javante right. evolved, you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, like that would be Javante, right? You want him to, I mean, sorry, Jeremy, you want him to be, you know, you know, if, if Javante is the crystal light, you know, uh, Jeremy's the Kool-Aid, you know what I mean? So, you, you know, so it's like you, you want, you want that, but, but, um, yeah, man, I, like I said, I just thought like going into this, going into this show, instead of, uh, you know, us just agreeing on, uh, on a prospect, like, you know, just seeing it from both sides of the, both sides of the spectrum. So, um, the, Jeremy is definitely a guy that I, you know, I, I respect and, um, I wouldn't mind having him on this team either, man. Like he's definitely, like you said, he feels that weak side, that weak side uh, rim protection. Um, you know, just if you want to play Vooch even higher in, in in it, you know what I mean? Like you could do that with a guy like Jeremy, you know. And and yeah. So uh, it, it's yeah, man. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So with you. so tell me then, why aren't you sold on Jeremy Grant? Why? Because I, I I think you prefer Harrison Barnes over Jeremy Grant. I, I do. I'm a, I I'm a, I am um I think that I think the more that we've been doing this show um I think we I think we start to see I think I'm starting you to see bucket how pilled? we go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm a guy that that believes like you know I, I would like yes you got to stop guys you you have to stop guys you have to be able to you know contest no doubt. But like at the end of the day, like you gotta be able to to put the ball in the basket different ways. Like Zach Levine is a dog, you know. Demar Derozan, dog. But what what's gonna happen? If, what what happens if they both have off games? Like you gotta be able to to pivot, and um, that may not happen happen a lot. But like you gotta be able to have that in your back pocket, where like okay, Zach, you're not feeling it tonight. Okay, well let's run some double drag, you know, with with Harrison Barnes. Let's, Let's let's run some Chicago action with Harrison Barnes coming off screens, um, but like it, it's just not. I just I don't know, man. That's just how I am, man. Like I'd rather go into um, go into a series knowing that like we can run these different things. Like Jeremy Grant does these. It's almost like the opposite end. Like you could do different things with Jeremy on the defensive end. You could do different things with 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 our Harrison Barnes on the offensive end. I mean. Teams, teams are going to like like that. That's why I say I want to see the Bulls right now against the Bucks because it's almost gonna. I'm pretty sure uh, Bud and Billy are gonna treat it like a playoff playoff game. You know, you're gonna you're gonna see different things. You're gonna maybe see some different sets from the Bulls, and you'll get a true test of, of what both teams will look like if they're healthy, hopefully full strength. Um, and uh, that that's just that's just what I'm looking at it at. That's. 
I get it. And I, I agree with you in a lot of aspects. I think for me, I always, I've always enjoyed great defense more than great offense. Mm-hmm. Just that's what I, that's what I meant. Cause I, I got, yeah. I, I, I feel it. You know what I mean? I, I it. love it. I just, and for me personally, when I play, if you ask me, would you rather get a block shot or drain a three? I'd block shot all day long because it's mm. demoralizing. Because mm. when you, when a guy like me, when a guy that looks like me blocks your shot, you're having a bad day, and you're like the rest of the game. You're like, man, this sucks. This white kid just blocked my shot. You <laughs> 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 drain three is like whatever. The, you know, he, he can shoot whatever. But my, from yeah. a, from a Bulls perspective, here here's why I would say the defense is more important. Number one, just to have a chance to stop in those guys, specifically the guys that we're going to have to face in the playoffs. And second, the Bulls are one of the best transition teams in the league. And for me, if you want to put the ball in the bucket, get it in transition. And the way you can get transition is by making stops on that end. If you make stops, you get steals, you get blocks, you stonewall some you know, some guy and, and they force him to take a tough shot, which the Bulls have been doing this year. It fuels that transition game and makes the buckets. I mean, they're buckets are so much easier to get in transition than a set half court offense. And so for me, I agree with you that offensively you want to put the ball in the basket, but I think the team has enough scores in the half court to do it, but doesn't have the defensive, the defensive chops to stop those top guys. And I think that having those guys can make the difference and, and, you know, kind of fuel that transition game further. Now I know transition is not as, as not, is not as effective in the playoffs, Usually because you know everyone slows down, everyone tries to get into half court sets, but I you know those those plays that can happen, those transition buckets can be really really effective and really really important to you know your to your game. Now the Bulls have a great half court offense. They didn't at the beginning of the year. It's really come along. It's become one of the best half court offenses in the league. But I really think that the I, I just prefer the defensive end. And so Jeremy Grant speaks to me a little bit more than Harrison Barnes. Now, I would be fine with either of them or neither of them. Like, if it really comes down to it, I trust, I trust AK to do the research, the due diligence, and to find the best deal, or mm-hmm. to realize that the best deal is to not make a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, just from my personal preference, I would I would think that Jeremy Grant fits, fits the bill a little bit more if he buys into the offensive end. That's the caveat. Yeah. That's the caveat for me. And to give my... Uh... My version of the demoralizing. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what I love as well is when a defense is 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 rotating like crazy. They're getting to where they need to be, but they they just can't make that one rotation, and it's a knockdown, baby. And 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 I, I, that that's what I love too. When the defense is just working their butts off, and they just can't get to that other person they need to get to. So, um, I, no, but again, like Jordan's killing me, man. Jordan's Jordan's cracking hey, me up. There's hey, five man, offenses out there. I can, hey, look, let me tell you something, Jay. I, we can go to the we can go to the gym, and I'll still give you baskets right now, brother. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can do it. But um, no, nah, man, you know I mess with you, though, though, no, Jay. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, man, that's just. But you know how it is, man. Like it's just different. It's just um, everybody has a different way of going about it, man. And uh, yeah. I've, obviously, defense. I'm not totally like man hey let's let's find you know let, let's let, let's sign like five bucket getters but I, i'm i'm saying it like you know you already Small have crawford a, baby come right? on down 
No, but like no, like I, I I know we have like the way this defense is built is like you know usually you have like a big man like like we talked about usually the big man is like the engine you know to your defense but like Caruso and Lonzo are the, are those guys you know and everybody else just just does their role they do their thing you know they make the right rotation when they need to make the right rotation um, and honestly. Uh, I'm 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 just like I guess I'm I'm confident, you know, in the defensive ability that this this team has already, um, and I just would like to add to the to the other side of the floor. That's just me because I think like Kobe is doing Kobe is balling, um, but I we can't like if we're being realistic, we can't expect Kobe to to score at the clip that he's been scoring all the time. So just being able to, you know, because once you bring Kobe out there, right, off that bench, there's not really somebody else that can be with those guys. And, yeah, you can stagger, you know, Zach and guys like that. But I just think adding another guy like Harrison just, again, I've already said it, it just adds a whole nother gear to this offense, whether you want to run, you want to give DeMar a little bit more of a break, you want to give Zach a little bit more of a break. You can do all those things. So um, yeah. that's just where I'm coming from. Yeah. Hey, Jordan Jordan brings up an interesting uh, question here. Is, is there any way we can get Grant or Barnes without trading Pat? Because could you imagine both of them? I would say no. I, I don't think – but here's why. Uh, I think that other teams are going to have better offers for Jeremy Grant if we don't include Patrick Williams. So I think if we get Jeremy Grant, we're going to have to include him. And I think the the package to me is Jeremy Grant and Derek Jones Jr. for, for either of those guys. It matches the salaries. Um, you know, you got an expiring contract with Derek Jones going out. And to me, I don't think I don't think either of those guys are worth adding a first round pick to to that deal. I think Patrick Williams is a good enough prospect by himself, um, and Derek Jones is a productive, good player on a good contract. That yeah. I think those assets match up pretty well. Now, a lot of it depends on how you feel about Patrick Williams, but I know Detroit specifically was very high on Patrick Williams and we're going to draft him seventh and was was looking for trade packages to get to third because they knew the Bulls were going to draft him. Um, so I think specifically for Detroit, Patrick Williams is the prize for them in that in that sort of trade scenario. Yeah. Uh, Luis. What's up, Luis? Long time no see. Kobe's he says, Kobe's proving me wrong. Yeah, uh, I thought he would be inconsistent when he came back. I didn't think he'd be super good or super bad um, overall. I just thought he'd be really inconsistent at first because he hadn't played basketball in six months. And he did. I mean, the first couple of games were, were rough. He's had some rough stretches, but he's really coming along. But as you said, Laro, it's, it's not like he's going to be scoring like this all the time. But I do think he's made some defensive strides. I think he's his playmaking has improved. I think he's doing a lot of good things. His, I mean, he's he's had a good assisted turnover ratio for I mean, even last season. He had yeah. he was doing really well on that. Uh, but I think his playmaking has improved even further, and his confidence you can just see the swagger that he plays with on the floor. And uh -huh. him and Io together specifically, yeah. I really like that. I've really liked yeah. that pairing. Um, and also too to go along with the assisted turnover ratio stuff. Like if you go back to like a lot of his assists last season, there was a lot of like dump offs, a lot of you know 
you know, come off, dump, you know, pass it back to the popper. But like now you're, you're seeing him like attack closeouts, get downhill, skip to the other side of the floor. And, yeah. and like the different types of passes, the different types, the different types of passing reads that he's making, that, that that's the difference in his passing this year. Like it's, it's, it's just, you know, I know uh, last season people were, were worried about, you know, because Billy came in and AK came in and talked about the development staff and, we felt we felt like Pat didn't grow. Felt like Kobe didn't really grow that much. And yeah. whoa, that's supposed to be their thing. They're not developing. Well, um, something I brought up on the, and I think we both brought it up on here is that like there was no training camp. There was no, <laughs> there was no um, practices as much as it used to. It was um, so uh, like being able to come in and have a training camp with these guys and have and be able to do what they need to do in terms of watch film and, and work on the things they need to work on. Um, you can see was see it. I mean, I O man. I mean, I love IO and I, I did think he could have made some impact early in the season, but I didn't think it would be like, like, like this, you know, I mean, yeah. this, this, this is, you know, this is more than what I thought. And I just, I think you just have to give, you know, give some props to, to Billy and his, his coaching staff. Um, they're doing a really, really good job. They really are. I mean, I've had, I've had zero complaints about the rotations this year. Like Mm. none. I had a lot last year. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just doing a good job. I know, I know we've had some, I know we've wanted more on the offensive sets sometimes from him early on this year, but the offense is cooking. I mean, they're, they're just doing a good job. Um, and Luis actually brings up a good question here that we can address real quickly, which is, if we don't trade Pat, if we don't get these guys, do we trade Kobe for anybody? And if so, where do we get some of that scoring punch back off the bench? And that's my concern mm-hmm. is if we trade Kobe, we need someone like Kobe. Yeah. And Kobe makes under $6 million this year. We're, and, and, and we're, I think we're 10 or I think we're 10 point something million under the hard cap, which is like, we cannot go above it because we've done all those sign in trades. Uh we don't have a whole ton of wiggle room to bring in a highly, uh, you know, a higher paid scorer. So I think it's going to be really difficult to find somebody that's giving you Kobe's production at Kobe's price. Um, yeah. So I would, I would lean probably not. I don't think we should trade Kobe at this point just because of that dynamic. I just, I'm just not sure if there's anything in the market that's going to be worth justifying. Now, if, if it's, unless it's like bringing a star back somehow, I just yeah. don't see it. I just don't see it. What about you? No, man. Um, I'm right along with you, man. I, I think Kobe. Um, I think somebody commented on my tweet and said, man, "I'm not falling for this anymore." Kobe's done this before, and then he falls back to what he has done in the past. And and I just have to just say that, like, if, if you're not truly seeing what Kobe's doing, then you're you're saying that. That's the type of tweet you're sending because you're not really watching how he's getting his baskets and how he's getting his assists um when when he's the low man as in the pick and roll situation on defense how he's rotating and, and pre-rotating his head's on a swivel how, how um he's giving effort yeah he's probably not the still not the best on ball defender but you can see he's giving effort he he's he's trying to improve on that end and his, his screen um, navigation's gotten better too yeah yeah, Caruso's teaching everybody. He got Lonzo yeah, to get screens, got Tamar around screens, getting Zach around screens. Not Kobe. Yeah, I'm telling you. 
Caruso's Caruso's the magician here. That's that's part of like bringing in great vets and bringing in bringing bringing in winning players, you know. Yeah. Because I think I think that's a part of it too, right? Like you you bring in winning players um, to to guys like Kobe and Zach um, um, that they they want to win, but for the most part they they haven't been a part of a winning team, so they don't know how to win. You know, yeah. so so bringing in guys like Caruso and Demar um, that have been at the pinnacle, and 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 obviously, not, you know, for Demar, he, he had to run into LeBron a lot, but um, they understand what it takes to win. Um, you know, wanting to win is different than actually doing what it takes to win. You know what I mean? So it, it like it's like what I told my kids today. Like you know, you if you want to win, you truly do everything possible to win. You know, if you, if your screen navigation is not good, you're going to make, you're going to try to make that happen, right? Cause you want to win. You want to be a part of a winning team. So it, it's, it's, it's good stuff. It's beautiful stuff. Um, just as a Bulls fan, man, how, how can't you be happy right now? Like who, like at the beginning of the season, like obviously you, you had optimism, right? But truly who, who thought we were going to, be in this situation where we're like, you know what? Who should we have? Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant? Ah, you know, we, we don't need them. Lara, <laughs> we, Lara, Lara. we don't need them. Listen, listen to the sentence. If I told you two years ago that Harrison Barnes was the missing piece for a DeMar DeRozan-led championship <laughs> title team on the Chicago Bulls, you would have put me in an insane asylum. <laughs> If you would have told me six months ago that same sentence, you would have put me in an insane asylum. But that's the reality now is Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant might be the missing piece for a DeMar DeRozan MVP championship title run this season. My it God, is man. wild what Acme has done with this roster crazy. in a year, a year like and a half. It's like we've crazy. gone, Chris, we've gone from just, just in the season where we were like, Man, we got to get better at finishing games. We're losing games, and we should win. To be like, we're not winning the games the right way. We're, we're I'm we mad be, that they're not I mean? winning the games by enough points. Like this pisses me off this year. The thing I'm mad most bad about this year is that the Bulls win these games by 20 or 15, and then they sit their guys for the last two minutes. And in that two minute span, the other team goes on like a 10-0 run. And then all of a sudden, like the Wizards did it last night, we were winning that game by 19 points. It was 130 to 111 with two, two, and, two and change to go. And then Billy said all his guys, and they scored 10, you know, 11 straight points. <laughs> and that was an eight-point margin. And I know all my friends that make fun of me for this, like Mark Kay and Ricky and Jason, those guys, but they're going to make fun of me for this. But it's true. Like, that's the dumb thing I'm mad about this year because I don't have anything real, really legitimate to be mad about. Like, it's just a freaking great team. I'm mad that they're not winning by enough. Okay, let me get to some comments uh, here. There's some questions here before we sign off. Uh, Holy Samurai Jerusalem, thanks for joining us, man, uh, says, I know Cleveland has been balling out this year, but is there any chance that a Kevin Love buyout happens? Uh, I would say probably not. Uh, Maybe yeah, he's been, he has been he's been a great great like six man of the year candidate for them. So I would say probably not because of how good he's doing and honestly how long Cleveland waited. They should have traded him years ago. <laughs> they never did. 
So I, I think it's really highly unlikely that that they do that. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I don't think so. Um, Kevin, like you said, Kevin's been playing well. He's shooting the ball well. He's he's not throwing the ball at his teammates. You know, he's he's playing. <laughs> he's playing. He's playing. Team. You know, he's playing well. You know, uh, but I, I don't think I don't. No, nah. yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, let's see. Um, Jordan says, do you guys think Dorian Finney-Smith or Miles Bridges are unattainable? I feel like they're untouchables on their respective teams. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I yeah. think there's no way. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with that. 100%. Oh, what about Miles Turner? Luis Biosignor says, what about Miles Turner? Have you guys talked about him yet? How does he compare to Harrison Barnes? So I kind of touched on this earlier, but... Miles Turner is definitely a center to me. And although he can shoot pretty well, yeah. I think on defense, he's going to be a center. Um, so I don't think he solves our problem of guarding big forwards. I mean, obviously, Miles Turner would be great to have. I do think other teams are going to be able to outbid us on him. And I think he's going to have a much better role on another team. So that that's just, that's my feeling on, on Miles Turner. But he's a great player. Um, I just don't think... I don't think the circumstances are right for him to come here. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I don't think he shoots it well enough to play the role he wants to play. Uh, but yeah, that's just what I think. So Nippy brings up the the question of the night here, which is basically, is it worth trading Pat Williams? And he says, you know, Pat's values might be at, at the at lowest it's been. And usually trading guys at their lowest point is, is not a smart move. So what do you think about that? No, uh, I think I think he hit on a point where um, he said that you don't want to trade it, uh, trade him at the lowest point. I think that's a, a good point because uh, obviously, you know, teams have like you know they see potential in Pat, but like at this point, Pat hasn't done what we the, the theory the, the theorized version of what we think of him he hasn't met that yet you know and yeah uh i mean right now probably probably wouldn't be the best time to trade him but if if it if if those trades get you a jeremy grant or a harrison barnes i mean you know it's it, yeah you, know, you kind of have to think about it yeah so because here's here's the thought process for me is okay, what do we hope Pat Williams becomes? Mm -hmm. Is he as good as Jeremy Grant is in three years? What if he turns out like what if he turns out to be Jeff Green, who's a who's a good player, but mm -hmm. you know, a journeyman role player, not a yeah. star. And so I, I think Nippy is right that you don't want to trade someone at their lowest value. Um I brought up the wrong thing. Um, but is it his lowest value? Is he at his lowest value? As as Laro mm -hmm. said. He a lot of teams see potential in him, right? He hasn't played enough games yet for people to be convinced one way or the other. And so there's still kind of that shiny, like unknown quality about him. If let's say he had played this whole year and he just stunk all year, he just didn't like, let's just say he, he played as good or worse than last year. Right. And last year was like, he had, he showed flashes. Yeah. He was not a productive NBA player in, in any sense of the word. Right, he's not like a replacement level player. Like he's definitely a rookie, right? Yeah. Rookie level production, uh, tantalizing talents and flashes here and there, but 
not not the consistent guy that we hope he will become one day. So that's what you got to ask yourself is, is is it at his lowest value? Because I think it's not. I think it could be a lot lower if he turns out he plays and plays continue, he continues to play the way he's been playing. I think teams will be less and less enamored with him over, over the next two years. So it's kind of a blessing and a curse that he's out this year because we can't answer that question. Yeah. Um, but also makes it much harder to trade him because you're like, what if he turns out like Jeremy Grant in three years? And so that's the other thing is, okay, well, if he turns out like Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes or someone, some better version of those two guys, or, you know, somewhere approaching the Kawhi level comps that, that have been crazy since the beginning. Okay. Does that fit the timeline of this team is the second question I ask. Yeah. When will that, when will the actualized version of Pat be useful to this team and in what capacity? And so if he, you know, right now we are a championship contender or right approaching that status. Is Pat going to contribute to that? And if not, is he, is he going to be able to contribute to that within the timeline of that championship? And to me, that's either this year or next year, right? Because Vooch's contract is up at the end of next year. Plus, Zach is getting a huge payday at the end of this year with his new contract. He's probably going to make an all-NBA team at this point, which means he's going to get the Supermax. And, yeah, um, having a guy like Pat be a guy like Pat for those next few years is not going to be very helpful to us. He has to be a much better version of himself than he is right now to be really useful. So that's the context I think you have to look at a trade, you know, is he going to be the version of the player that's going to help you reach a championship in the next, in that time frame? And if not, can you trade him for a player that will? And I think that's why this is such a raging debate among, amongst Bulls fans is because the two guys we just spent the last two hours talking about will raise our ceiling. Will they raise our ceiling enough? I think that's debatable. But there's two guys that could be available. I think Jeremy Grant for sure is available. Harrison Barnes might be available. Yep. Um, and and Jeremy Grant for specifically is available and probably available for Pat in a trade. Yep. So that's why I think it's it's important to ask that question and and see if it makes sense. Because I think it can make sense. I don't know if I would go that route, but it, I definitely see the logic behind it. I think, too, to go along with what you just said is – Another part to think about when when um, you think about the Pat trade is is can you depend on Demar Derozan to play at this type of level next season? Um, and this is why people are thinking about hey, it might be worth trading Pat because if if you can bring in somebody to to uh, take this team to another level uh, to go along with what De- the way Demar Derozan is playing this season you have to entertain it because championships are, are, are competing for a championship is not promised. Um, and expecting a 32 year old, a 32, right? He's 32 this year or 30, 31, 32, 32, like expecting him to, to play at this level next season is ask, you know, you just, that's playing with fire, man. Like you, you never you, know. Exactly. So you, you, this is the year you have to take it, take a shot, you know? Well, look at Denver. Denver has Jokic, has MPJ in his prime or mm-hmm. entering his prime, you know, has uh, Jamal Murray. They trade for Aaron Gordon. They go all in. 
and then Jamal Murray blows out his ACL like two weeks later. Yeah. I mean, they for those two weeks they looked phenomenal, like they looked like they're going to the championship. And now, you know, MPJ may never play a basketball game again. I have no idea like his, how that back issue is going. But yeah. their championship window that looked to be like, hey, you got the next three or four years to compete for a championship. Jokic is twenty six. They may they may spend the next two years just trying to recover from injuries. Yeah, and they they have so far this year, so you just don't know how long that window is going to be open. Uh, like Boston, another example. Boston, they had all those picks, and they were like they were competing in the playoffs, and they still had like all of Brooklyn's first round picks lined up, you know. And they had Brad Stevens, who's a great coach. Like the future looks super bright, and now look at Boston. Like they all hate each other, and they're <laughs> struggling, struggling to. They're like fighting New York for the twelfth, like the tenth spot right now. Like you just don't know how that's going to end up. So you don't know if tomorrow's going to play at an MVP level. You don't know if someone's going to get injured and it's going to be serious enough to de- derail that kind of conversation. So you have to, and I'm not saying you should value one over the other. I'm just saying that's the proposition you have to ask yourself is, do you value the, possi- the possibility of a championship now or the potential of a, you know, the potential uh, widening of that championship window in the future. And so, you know, I think that ultimately that's what this comes down to is do you, do you feel like this is the year and you go all in just be, and you have a chance. So you do it because you don't know what tomorrow brings, or do you think it's not worth going for this year? I think we've got a, a, a good core that if we keep around can, can, can be competitive for years to come. So whatever one you value more, I think is really where you're going to come down on whether this, these trades are going to be worth it for you. Yeah, um, and uh, I think Nippy, he said only thing is if if it doesn't work out <clears throat> this year after a big move like that, and it seems like they don't fit, there's not much left to work with. And I think that's where like everybody's talking to Ac- Acme in the, uh, in the chat. Um, and that's where it comes in. I think the landscape, the stigma, the uh, outside looking in to this organization has changed now. I think uh, Zach Levine potentially being an all-NBA guy, going to his second all-star game, DeMar DeRozan coming here and showing guys that come in as free agents that like, hey, oh, oh sorry, he was signing trade, but um, that, no, guys, it's changed here. You know, this is a fun place to play. Um, come rock with us. I think this is going to be a place where free agents are going to want to come. So yeah, losing Pat, if, if, if we have to trade him, uh, it's going to, it's going to suck. It's going to hurt my soul. It's going to hurt it. But, I, but yeah, I hate it. But um, <laughs> I, hate I, th- it so I think in a way, in a way, I mean, I think that's a, uh, veterans guys that are going to be in, uh, free agents, guys that are thinking about leaving when they maybe have one more year left on their contract. They're going to say, I kind of respect that. They're, they're willing to do whatever it takes to go get a championship, whether, you know, and, and I, I think that's the, I think we have to kind of shift from like, like draft capital definitely means a lot, but I think, I think you have to shift your focus to like, okay, we're actually a destination now. Um, so I think we can start to uh, be like, okay, well maybe we'll start to get some, some love from some of these free agents that want to come here and play with Zach Levine, who's going to sign a Supermax. He's still young. And you can go at another championship run with that guy, you know. So, it, so that that's just the way I, I I'm thinking about it going forward as well. If we trade Pat, 
And even if we don't, like, I think there's still going to be people that yeah. want to come play here. I agree. And, you know, you also have to remember what are, what are all these draft assets and trades and what is it for? It's, it's to win a championship, right? Ultimately that's the goal. And so for me, it's been hard to transition because I love, I love Wendell Carter. I love Patrick Williams. I love Kobe white. I want to see those guys. I want to see them win because I like those players. I want them to flourish. Yep. And so it's been, it's been a challenge for me to kind of transition my thinking into, all right, well, do I want to see that more than I want to see the Chicago Bulls win a championship? Because I may have to pick one or the other. Yeah. And so with Wendell going out and Vooch coming in, it's like I would have rather kept Wendell. Um, personally, I wouldn't have done that trade personally because I, I think the two first-round picks and Wendell I think would have been better in the long term. But, hey, Vooch helps this team a lot more right now than, than Wendell would have, right? And the moves, you know, I feel the same way about Pat. Uh, I think Pat is going to be an amazing player. I really do. I really am high on him no, no matter what the, you know, the production has been so far. I just believe that he's going to be a great player. I also have to ask, is he going to be a great player here during this mm -hmm. timeline with this team? Is he going to be able to reach that potential as the fifth option in a starting unit that has Lonzo and Zach and DeMar and Vooch in it? Maybe not, right? Yeah. Maybe Pat won't reach his ceiling won't reach the, the the ceiling of his potential on this current squad because of the timeline that they're on. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but I think it's, you know, if, if he went to Detroit and they, you know, they got him all those on-ball reps, I think he might have a better chance of reaching his potential than he does here. Then again, you know, put him around championship players and great vets in this kind of environment, maybe that's what transforms him, right? Maybe like, yeah. like for example, what happened with Kawhi, right, with yeah. the Spurs. He became the actualized version of himself organically over time. So you just don't know. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's a gamble. If you make a move, it's a gamble. If you don't make a move, it's a gamble. You, you're taking a risk no matter what yeah. you do. So you just got to decide what risk is most important to you, what what you value the most, and and you go all in. And that's what I love about this front office is when they get when they have a conviction about something, they make a move. They they do what they feel right. And that's yeah. what I hated about the last front office is they sat on their hands so often when they shouldn't have. Yeah. And so AK is going to make moves you disagree with, right? You may disagree with the Wendell trade. You may disagree with the Gafford trade. You may disagree with the draft pick that they made. But you can't you can't knock the hustle. Like these guys no. go for it. They just they just go for it. And so I appreciate that about them. And ultimately, whatever they decide, I feel like I'm going to be okay with it. I mean, hey, our guy got in trouble for tampering, baby. Hey, he was he was gonna get it done either way. It didn't matter, you know. So, hey, we got your we got friend's gonna hate you for that. <laughs> yeah, Fred's like, no, I don't want them to tamper. What are you talking about? Oh, come on, Fred. I know you're you gonna know? have to hash that out at the at the <laughs> podcast, Palooza. By the way, by the way, I'm officially going to be in Chicago for a podcast, Palooza. Let's go. Uh, so I'm gonna be there. February 27th in Chicago. I know it's going to be super butt cold, but I'm into it. I'm ready. <laughs> it's a cold world. Bundle up, baby. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for Chicago winter. I live in Indiana. I'll be fine. I, I, I know what that's like. <laughs> hey, man, uh, just, just make sure you don't get a jacket until you get here because you need a jacket from here for here. That, 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 that's just how it goes. But uh, <laughs> David David Robbins says um, says I'm a little sleepy, but I got Bulls fever. That's how I'm feeling right now. That's definitely how I'm feeling right now. <laughs>
Ooh, a little sleepy, little... but got Bulls fever. Man, we hey, shout out the chat tonight, man. Chat was live tonight, man. We we appreciate that, man. Seriously, you guys are you guys are great. You make the show so much better. Not only just for the content, but it's just for me personally, it's, it's awesome. So yeah, Indiana let's see. <laughs> well, yeah, a short visit, but I was there for a couple of years. I'm trying to see if we're. I just want to make sure we're not missing any other questions that you guys might have. Um, I think we. Yeah, uh, Ferg says Acme are magicians. I'm not worrying. That's kind of where I'm at too. Yep. Let's see, Jeremy Wilson. We need to stop falling in love with the unknown. That might, you know, that's holding us back. So, the, you know, Jeremy, it sounds like you value, hey, the, the opportunities in front of you, go for it a little bit more than, hey, maybe it'll be there in five years. And I, I respect it. I respect that view. And I I am not, like, I'm not 100% convinced that we're a title contender yet. I really want to see us play the Bucks a couple of times at mm-hmm. full strength before I make that decision. Um, but you know, I'm close. I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm close, I'm close to it. Uh, what days do you guys go live on our show? Saturday night, every Saturday night, 11 p.m. Central. You can catch us live as you're doing now, or you can find us. Um, you can find us on YouTube on any podcast platform under the Barroom Network. Just search Barroom Network and you'll find our show listed with a bunch of other shows that are really, really good. So definitely check those out. Check out Bulls Gold is the other Bulls show with our guy Salim and Edward Schuler Jr. Oh, Ferg's from Gary. Nice. I, I spent some time in South Bend for a little bit. So love that city. Love South, love the South Bend. I, yeah, uh... We're on Spotify too. Um, that's what I wanted to bring up too before we get out of here is uh, I had pulled up the the bull schedule. Uh, yeah, Let's and talk about this next week, it's man, bad. <laughs> and they're not brutal. playing games with us. Like they're not playing games. Te- with us. Technically, they are playing games with us, <laughs> and those games are going to be a good test. I'm sorry, I'm killing you. <laughs> you do, uh, um. I got yeah, the dad man. jokes, baby. Got the hey, dad jokes. For you gotta you. love the dad jokes. Seriously, you gotta love the dad jokes. Um, yeah, I would like to see them win the next two um, knockout, uh, especially if Luca's out um, uh, tomorrow, and the D- Detroit on Tuesday, and then man, uh, Brooklyn, and then Golden State back to back at home, but back to back. My goodness, my goodness. Yeah, so let's. Let's talk about it. we got five games next week in seven days. Mo- uh, tomorrow, Sunday against the Mavericks at Mavericks. Then the Pistons Bulls game that we got postponed earlier in the season. That's on Tuesday at home. The next the next day at Nets. So we got a back to back with Pistons and Nets both at home. And then on Friday, so two days later, we only get one day off. We get Warriors at home, and then go to Celtics on the road the next day, and then. <sighs> And then that's that's this week. So <laughs> then the next week we go <laughs> Grizzlies at Grizzlies on Monday. They're killing the league. And then we have at or back home for Cavs that Wednesday. And then the Bucks at their place on Friday. So that those eight games, yeah, those eight games are going to be really, really tough gauntlet. So that's why these games that we have been able to kind of give us a buffer on in the last 
you know, on this nine game winning streak is going to be really important. So I'd love to see them pick up a win against the Mavericks and yeah. see what they do. So let's, let's do official, official predictions for okay. this five game schedule next week. What do you think they're going to go? Okay. I'll go win against uh, Detroit. I'll go their first loss in 11 games to uh, Brooklyn. I'll go revenge game against Warriors with Vooch back. So when, so is that? That's uh, What about Mavs? Mavs tomorrow. Oh, my bad. That's Sunday. So, yeah, I got uh, win against Mavs, win against uh, the Pistons, yeah. loss against uh, Brooklyn, win against uh, uh, the Warriors, and a win against uh, <laughs> the Boston Celtics. <laughs> so four, four and one for you. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three and two. I think if we beat the Warriors, we're gonna be wiped out for the Celtics, and I think yeah. they're gonna be they're they're pissed about that last loss. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and oh, at, at home when we came back from 19 down. So I'm gonna call three and two. I think we'll beat. I think we beat Mavericks, Bulls, Warriors. Or we'll go, yeah, we might beat Nets and lose to Warriors and Celtics back-to-back. Warriors going to be tough. But Clay Thompson, yeah. so Warriors are actually coming off a of back-to-back when they play us on Friday. Yeah. So that gives you some hope that we can beat them on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I, I would imagine that Clay Thompson is probably not going to play that back-to-back. Uh, one of those two games. Either he's not going to play the game before or he's not going to play us. Yeah. So I'm going to go 3-2 and two for next week. The chat says, Ferg says 3-2. and two. David Robinson says three and two. Jordan seen red here, four and one. No five and O's though. Anyone says we're going five and O? No. Oh, Ferg says five and O earlier, but I think he changed his mind here. Um, yeah, I guess it's technically today now that we play the Mavs Sunday. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, 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 the three and two, I, I get it. I could definitely see three and two, but. I think what what gets me over the top for the form one is the the two day break um, after the uh, Nets game, um, and that could get them a little bit more rhythm, you know, a little bit of rest, and they can get right back into get right back into things after that. Although I thought I think you bring up a great point of, of the travel. Um, it, it's well, I mean. The flight from Boston to Chicago, from Chicago, is not long. I think it's like an hour and a half, two hours. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it depends. <laughs> and the Bears will lose. <laughs> hey, who's that? Wait, who, what are we talking about? The Bears now? Come on, man. No, I'm just saying it says Dave oh. Robinson's comments is, and the Bears will lose. That's his prediction. So, appreciate that. <laughs> man. I don't care about the Bears here. Sorry. Don't get me yeah, started. I don't care about the Bears somewhere else. Don't get me started. Don't get uh, me yeah. started on them boys. Hey, man. Lero, man. Uh, great, great conversation tonight about these guys. I, I hope, I hope you guys that were listening or watching learn a little something new about these players. Maybe we convince you one way or the other if you think it's worth it, or just kind of the way you know to approach thinking about the decision that's coming up for Acme because uh, it's an important one. I think it's it's a really important one, and it can have could have really you know interesting implications for this year and and going forward oh yeah one more thing we might have caruso back for the warriors game i'm hoping so he went in pro, into protocols on monday or tuesday i think so he 
I, he should be back. I'm hoping by Pistons, if not by Nets, uh, and we should have the full squad other than Javante. So I would love, I love to, I got to see my guy Caruso back. I can't get over how good he is at screen navigation. It's like basketball. <laughs> sex, so oh, so man. much fun to watch. Yeah, man. Hey, getting Caruso back. Wow. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I just can't. Yeah. I think we're, I think that's going to be it for us guys. So Larry, you want you got anything else you want to send us off, man? Um, all I have to say is guys is this, like, like Chris said, this is a great conversation tonight. Um, I think, I think we both did a pretty good job of, of kind of giving two sides, two sides, uh, two different, you know, ideas to, uh, maybe giving up Pat, you know, and, uh, guys in the chat room again, appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all um, coming in here, being interactive with us, uh, you know, having some having some fun in the comments. Um, but again, oh yeah, Jay, on the record, Chris won a <laughs> Chris yes, did won Crusoe over a year ago. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. Um, there's no doubt about that. Chris was definitely on that. Um, <laughs> hey, but here's the deal, man. If you love tonight, come back. Next Saturday, we got a, we got some more fun things on the horizon for you guys. We're gonna try to keep these things going for you. Um, so when you come in here, you can have a little fun. Maybe have some questions for you guys to be more interactive um, with us, even more than you already have. But uh, this is your boy Lero, my boy Chris Amundsen. Uh, this is another episode of Bulls One Hundred and One. Um, we'll holler at you guys. Peace. Peace.